Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start. If you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Car Chat podcast. And with me today, I have Phil McGovern of Caffeine and Machine. Hello. Hello. <laughs> hello, hello. Welcome to Bedroom 3. Yeah. Can you sort of introduce yourself and sort of say who you are, what you do, and kind of like a little summary of where we are? Yeah, sure. Phil McGovern. I'm probably the guy that can be accused of, of coming up with this idea. Um, and then uh, I very fortuitously bumped into a wonderful human being called Daniel Macken who is my business partner in this madness. Um, and between the two of us, we have endeavoured to build, I don't know, the home for the everyday man car community, really. You know, the, 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 the adventure started years ago. Mm. You know, we were, we were kind of bumping into each other in the Middle East at the time. And I think a lot of it was driven by the market that I was in, the country I was in drove a lot of it because uh, most people that live in the Middle East run on like a three-year contract rotation. Right. So you're in a country where 90% of the, the populace are expat. Yeah. So they're people that don't call it home and, and it would rotate very quickly. So it'd be either a three-year turn or a five-year turn. I was there for the long term and I wanted to unearth a community that I knew was there, but it was very much tucked away. And I wanted to make friends. I wanted to meet people that were like-minded. So we... Through through trial and error and other projects, you know, crankandpiston.com and publishing Evo magazine, and I was at the emergence of the birth of social media. And we got massively involved in working with brands on content creation, which traveled me around the region. I got to see a lot of interesting people that were exactly the same as me. And then I got thinking about events. And then the events made me think about a physical base. You know, why why, why is no one doing anything consistent? You know, it's happened a lot across the world when it comes to motorbikes. You know, there's motorbike cafes, there's surf cafes. Yeah, all over the place. There's very few like true car cafes. There's retro hot rod cafes. There's all those sorts of things, but no one, no one had ever kind of had done it. And through, through paranoia, I, I traveled all over the place with work and found myself dropping into interesting towns 
and went hunting for it and kind of found elements of what I was after. You know, Deus is absolutely fantastic. There's, there's a bunch of cafes that are dotted up and around that kind of coastline, Californian coastline. Yeah. There was places in South Africa. There was places in Asia that we found. There was an amazing one in Scottsdale, Scottsdale Arizona called Four Till Four. But none of them had really captured what we were after, which was a cafe bar restaurant. The B&B side of it, which we've subsequently inherited by finding this building, was was on the plan, but way down the track. Yeah. You know, I wanted, I had dreamscape of race resort Ascari, but for <laughs> you know, achievable race resort yeah. Ascari, right? Everybody wants a bit of a Busu, a bit of race resort Ascari, a bit of Soho House, a bit of Ace Cafe yeah. all smashed together. And that's kind of the, 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 the long-term goal. But if you wind the clock back 24 months ago now, Dan and I found ourselves back in the UK, having lived in the Middle East for a long, long time, with a piece of paper that had a dream on it and a, a, a no route. Like we had no route map. We didn't know where we were going. Mm. We kind of knew we wanted a cafe. We kind of knew we wanted an art gallery. Uh, we kind of knew we wanted a bit of space to do some storage and some work on, on vehicles. And we went looking for properties. And it wasn't until we were probably at the death of everything, like our, the, the seed funding that we had ourselves, personal funding had, had dried up. You know, we were literally left with nothing. And then we found this place. And, and, it, and it came about through some random conversation in a bar where the landlord of the pub said, country pubs are dead. And I'm like, ah, oh, uh-huh. oh, country pubs. That's intriguing. So the, the Google search changed. It became pubs for sale. And then just looking at every single country pub yeah. that we could find that had an interesting Do you have lease. an area of the UK that you were specifically looking at? Well, yeah, UK was on the list. Um, it, just- it was primarily, we were looking at, I, I personally place. was looking at Seattle. Yeah. Um, and I was looking at uh, Southern California and I was looking at Northern California, Oakland in particular. But because of family structure, I couldn't get my dad into the US. It was really difficult and I didn't want to not have him around. For England, yeah, 100%. This is kind of motorsport alley or circle. So where, whereabouts are we So we, we are in, uh, we're four and a half miles outside of Stratford-upon-Avon. So we are pretty much smack bang in the middle of the UK. Operationally, we're an hour and a half north of Manchester, uh, north of Heathrow, two hours south of Manchester. Within a 50 minute radius, we've got everything from Donington to Silverstone to a number of Formula One teams, a number of British touring car teams. We've got Triumph Motorbikes, we've got Jaguar Land Rover, we've got Aston Martin. And then we've got all of the affiliate businesses that sit within that realm from super cool, interesting companies like Project 12 that do all of the carbon fiber for a lot of people okay, that you yeah. don't know, to incredibly talented painters and mechanics and fabricators and chassis guys. And we kind of, I wanted it in this region f- for that. Yeah. And because it was, if we were going to do a first one, smack it in the middle, um, just because it makes it more. Yeah, it's super accessible for accessible. so many parts of the UK. I mean, we're 15 minutes off the M40. Yeah. And the M40 just cuts a really nice line straight down the middle of the UK. And some great roads once you've left the motorway. Yes. <laughs> and again, you've got to be very conscious of that. You know, the ribbons of tarmac around this country are absolutely magnificent, like absolutely magnificent. And I think a lot of people forget that part of our passion set is not just meeting in a car park mm. um, or it's not just turning up to an event and, uh, you know, going to the NEC and spending your money to go into an event, spending your money to park, but driving the motorway route to get it. You know, it's... A lot of what we're about is going out on an adventure and then we position ourselves as the beginning, the middle or the end. Yeah. You start here for a coffee and you go, or you do a morning drive and you come for lunch or you do an afternoon drive and come for dinner. So we've never really positioned ourselves as tactically against any of the other yeah. activations. We're kind of here. So if, if Autosport International's on, we feel it. Yeah. You know, we don't try and tackle it and take their custom. 
we're, we're here at the beginning, the middle and the end. I think that's super important because like you said, with if I, I find going to, let's say a car show now, fundamentally incredibly boring. Mm. Like if, whether it's a car park meet or whatever, because I'm at the point where I've, I've seen a lot of the stuff that's going to be at these things. Yeah. So unless it's something like super niche, like a, like a lifter cult, something like that, where I'm like, okay, I love Porsches. And mm. This is going to be some cool stuff there. The idea of going to a car park where people probably don't even talk to each other and see eight versions of the same hypercar or whatever. Like it's just not interesting at all. Inclusion's been a big thing. But here. coming here, like you said, it's just, I've been here with some friends as part of a drive, popped in, said hello, mm. had a coffee, have a bit of lunch, have a little look around, bumped into, you know, various people and whatever, and then left. And yep. it's, it's so nice having a place that is sort of car themed and gives you an excuse. That's it. I, I really like having the excuse to be like, guys, let's go to Cafe New Machine or wherever. And that's the reason that, it is. that's enough rather than, you know, oh. but you never know who you're going to bump into and you never know what you're going to see in the car park. And we've, we've pushed so heavily for inclusion. Um, and we've pushed, I said, I wouldn't say pushed heavily. We've kind of ignored this kind of isolated event structure that keeps getting suggested to us, you know, do a Ford day. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. If we do a Ford day, then eight people out of 10 in the room who might not like Fords all of Wait, a sudden get up. turned off. Yeah. So we, we've been very conscious to not do what people were expecting. So our event structure was always very overarching and very inclusive. So if we did a winter weapons day, you could have a C63 AMG. That could be your winter weapon, but so could your 15 year old Skyder Octavia. Yeah. You know, we never wanted anyone to feel unwelcome. You can't pre-book a space. You can guarantee yourself entry into the property which is a process we had to put in because it just got so busy. How does that work? You, you go on via Eventbrite. Yeah. Um, so we use Eventbrite to, to facilitate our midweek event evenings, mm-hmm. uh, tickets and our pre-booked parking, of which we offer 60 pre-booked okay. parking. It's, it's, a, it's a small percentage of the entirety, but for those that we found are traveling big distance. You don't want to get turned away. It's, it is. It's, it's devastating. When we have to throw the shut gate, it's saddening. It is. And I wish we could accommodate more cars, but when you've got so many cars on site, it just puts strain everywhere. And the team that have worked tirelessly to make this what it is, all of a sudden are swarmed. And it's, it's kind of heartening and disheartening at the same time to walk down at 9.30 in the morning and see a queue of 40 people crawling through the bar, down the corridor and out of the front door. Mm. It's like, oh my God, what's happened? (laughs) This is insane. But the, the community at large have just been wonderful. They're just like, we get it. You know, we, we've, we've created this problem for you and we know we're part of the problem. We're just going to sit here for 30 minutes and wait for our coffee and then go and enjoy the day. Yeah. It's nuts how accommodating people have been. Yeah, it's crazy. And whenever I hear anyone talk about it, everyone's like, oh, we've been to Caffeine Machine. Yeah, it's, it's this, like, it's cool thing. strange, Sam. I don't, I don't, you know, we were, that Dan, bless him, gave me the, the, the freedom to play a strategy. You know, my, my, my background's very different to Dan's. Dan came out of the financial world, Mix Barclays, super intelligent, super analytical, super sharp young guy. I came up through manufacturer, you know, I was Jaguar Land Rover. Um, and then I broke off to do social media and content and creative and strategy. And I always found myself, or myself, sorry, being, being asked to come up with an idea 
And then that idea would get chipped away by the marketing director that was in the role to end up being a representative of what they wanted. And I found it very strange that as a specialist agency that you'd be asked to do something and then have it molded back to what the brand was already doing. Um, So with Caffeine and Machine, we were given explicit freedom to run it exactly as we wanted. So we found ourselves with the keys with this monstrosity of a building that needed restoring inside and out. And on the day we got the keys was the day we said, this is the beginning of the strategy. Mm. And it started with talking to people like yourself. You know, I think we kicked it off with five people. Yeah. You know, it was James, James Walker, it was yourself. It was Wookie from Top Gear. It was Charlie Turner from Top Gear um, and Charlotte Voden from Sunday Times. They were like the first five people we spoke to. And then those five people spoke to five. Yeah. And then that cumulative 25 spoke to another 25. And it just started to grow. And then I think it was James came in that early morning, didn't he? And catch caught me singing behind the bar. Which was quite embarrassing. <laughs> and he launched that video, I don't know, 72 hours before we were due to open. Yeah. And it was 27th of October, midday, we were due to open the doors. And at 11.56, we closed, shut, full. Wow. I was like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> Shit. Um, same thing happened the next day. Like, aha. And Dan and I made a conscious decision to open from midday during the weeks. And we're sat in the, the, the bar on that Monday going, people aren't going to get this. They think it's an event. Mm. Um, they're not going to get it. And then at 11 o'clock cars started appearing in the car park. I was like, Oh, and at midday there was a queue of people waiting to get through the door. It's like, aha, they get it. They're getting this. And it, and it's just barrel rolled from there and it, we've kept a hold of it. That's you know, awesome. It's we literally kicked a skateboard out into the yard. That was a building, a bar, a very simple menu, roadhouse menu. So what you would expect to, you and I would eat on the road, right? Less the Snickers and bounties and picnics, but it was, it was burgers and easy food and five members of full-time staff and Dan and I, there were seven of us and a bunch of friends, industry friends and friends that I've met along the the way that looked at us and went, you guys are absolutely screwed. We're going to help, you know? So on opening weekend, Driftworks were my marshals. (laughs) You know, I had the owner of Driftworks outside marshalling the car park. I had Al Clark, John Markar, Ben Brokesmith, all of these guys that came to help. Yeah. And they gave us so much time and so much flexibility. And then over the next six months, we went from five full-time members of staff to 51 part-time and full-time cumulative. Wow. We just had to keep a hold of it the whole way. And we still didn't have enough. And, you know, we still found ourselves full and unable to deliver you know, the process clunks, mm. you know, when you, when you, when you build a business plan for, you know, 50 dry items and 50 wet items a day, 35 t-shirts a month, 50 stickers yeah. a month, and you build a business plan based on that. And then you get 10 times that hit you on day one, yeah, you're tough. on the back foot the entire time. Right. And it's been that the entire time it's, it's juggling 50 plates and not having one of them drop. Yeah. Good problem. But but tricky to have. It's that horrible thing when people say you're a victim of your own success. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 we're not a victim. Yeah. We're just, we're desperately trying to figure this out. Yeah. Help. And people have been phenomenal. You know, the, the brands have been great. They get it because we're, we're quite strong with how we want brands to engage. Mm. The, the product is caffeine and machine. Um, so if a brand comes here and does an activation, they can't take over the building you know, which is why we put the TP up. Yeah. We don't let flags go up in the air because it just personally, it sucks. Yeah. You know, I don't like that multi-layered kind of Times Square thing. It makes me feel 
tense. Yeah, and if you turn up, like like you said about that, you know, not having a Ford day. If I turn up and I'm in my Audi, and there's a BMW flag or whatever, you're gonna be like, oh, this is like, this is not for me. This yeah. is not my place. This is now BMW yeah. land. But it also makes the decision tree of how you engage with brands slightly mm. more difficult to navigate. You know, we we found that the easier brands to talk to are probably the consumable brands. Um, so the, the, the Michelins, the Pirellis, yeah. the oil companies, the Petro companies, the insurance companies. But again, for the first 12 months, we, we didn't really engage because we very quickly realized that we had a problem, which was this place. And we wanted all eyes on this deck. Yeah. And we didn't, albeit we're capitalists, obviously. <laughs> I'm way more liberal than Dan. And he, he's agreed during that early phase that this is very much about brand build. Yeah. You know, this is not a quick buck, you know, Ooh, insurance company X. Yes. Now what it's called large money, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. No, no, we're not going to do that. And it's the same with our social media. You know, we've, again, you can't, you can't say that we built the social media platform. The community built the social media yeah. platform. We were just very lucky that we had a, prop, a proposition that they engaged with. But, you know, the page grew from nothing to massive very, very quickly. It's hugely engaged and brands want a piece of it. Yeah. And we're like, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It's not tactical. You know, we never wanted our social to be a tactical selling platform, albeit it kind of has to be, doesn't it? It's, yeah. a, it's this horrible. At some point in time. It's, it's this horrible it's knife edge. Yeah. You know, it's not just consistently about awareness. Sometimes you kind of do have to say, you know, 10 pound beer and a burger. Yeah. And then you get no engagement. People are okay with that. They're okay with it. As long as it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Every single time. Boom, 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 boom. (laughs) You know, I, I, I get it. You know, I spent so long in that media industry. I get it, but it it just freaks me out a little bit. Yeah, it is. I, I remember when from day one of your social media for this place, I remember thinking this is, this is perfect because you've created this place. And then your social media is basically all of the fans bringing their toys mm-hmm. to your place. Mm-hmm. And then you just, you can showcase all of this cool stuff. It's also at your place. It's like, yeah. this is just this like double whammy of, yes, this is us, but also here's all just this cool stuff you want to see. Yes. You know, and it's that, it's that cult of machine element of the brand that we haven't really scratched enough yet is that they're, they're, they're creating it for us. Yeah. By, you know, I remember when I was in, in the old kind of hot rod VW world and you would, people would build cars specific for events, right? They'd spend yeah. the entire year yeah. slaving, spending thousands of pounds to roll a car into a showroom or an event space and be awarded best of show. It was a big challenge. We've got this moving feast now. People can come and see the changes week in, week out. And you get guys turning up in project cars that get lauded and they're desperate to see these things roll up. You know, yeah. I still hear daily when Sam coming back in his F40. <laughs> you know, it appeared like once. Yeah, we once, took some super cool photos. Yeah, <laughs> and people, you know, it's it's just people come for that stuff, and we're we're learning that now. Is it's if you can cherry pick a product that's that hits that hits the psyche, people come from miles away to see it. Yeah, and it might be a light company rocket car. It might be a Pininfarina Batista. It might be a blue F40. Yeah, I remember the the day I came. I. The thing I found super interesting is one, okay, you know, you turn up in a crazy car and I'd actually just taken it for a, a drive and then mm. we came, I came and popped in here. But it's that thing of once you're out of your car, your car's just parked in the, in the car park and then other cool stuff 
is around yes. and you can talk to anyone. I had a good chat with like a bunch of different people about a bunch of different cars. And I think, yeah, I don't want to blow up any of the people that come and hang out here all the time, but met some pretty interesting people. You do. And I think, I think there was a new Evoke that. Oh, it was the brand, brand new one, wasn't it? It was a brand new one. Mm. Hadn't even come out yet. And I'm just like, oh, this is a new Evoke. And I had a, with one of the guys that was with the car and had a little poke around it and stuff. And the fact that people come with interesting stuff, even in the time we've been now, do you, do you only open at lunchtime now? Or do no, you no, no, we're day? open from nine o'clock every day. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Like a bunch of cool stuff has just driven past the window mm. as we're sitting here and looking out. And anyone can come on pretty much any day and people make the effort or they use this as an opportunity to take out their interesting cars. Yes. And then you can just go and see some cool stuff. Yeah, it's here's me and my character. But it's not guaranteed. No. Which is actually half the fun. Yeah. But it's interesting, if you come on a quiet day, there's always something or someone. It's that someone. And, you know, that's the thing that's probably surprised me more than anything is this, you know, the the people that you would normally associate with being slightly unachievable to meet. Yeah. They're here. (laughs) You know, it's nuts. You know, to walk down and see, you know, person X sat having a coffee still completely throws me a curveball. And sometimes I forcibly put myself in an uncomfortable position and just go and sit next to the table and say hello. Yeah. And I feel like someone like a, you know, TGI Fridays waiting yeah, yeah, staff yeah. and going, you know, squat down and have a good old chit chat. But the, the, the people are nuts and they make it absolutely make it. So as long as we can keep it a comfortable environment, that the, the, the coffee's good, the food's good. Look, we're learning this. Yeah. Like we've never done this before. Progress, yeah. you know, Dan and I've never done F and B full stop. We've never done hospitality. You know, I'm creative. He's finance world, but we both had a, a belief in that, this proposition was kind of needed. So yeah, we're learning it and we've been very open day in, day out that we're learning it and we're building it on a shoestring. You know, there's, there's no external investment in this thing at all. And it would be very easy to go to the city and raise a load of money, but we wanted to go, we wanted to go Scarface yeah. first and keep control of it. You know, put and the, do it how you want to do it. Yeah. And then, and then look, when we're at a point where the proposition's right, the processes are right, the product's right, then we can, look at that conversation. Yeah. But I'd like, I'd like the challenge to get there first. Yeah. And it, it's, it's from a mental health perspective, it's detrimental yeah. from a physical health perspective. <laughs> it's detrimental. Um, you know, it's nonstop, absolutely nonstop. And you live here. I spend a lot of time living here. Yeah. 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 Um, but again, you know, the house that was on the back has now turned into an office. Okay. So, you know, I'm up on, you know, third story of yeah. Wuthering Heights all the way up at the top. And and what was my old master bedroom is now an office, but needs must. Yeah, you know, part, we, we had part of the growth. Yeah, we had no idea that when we rolled out a few t shirts, that the desire for the C and M clothes look, we wanted a C and M clothing line. Mm. It was in the plan from the beginning. To start to deliver that and see the growth of that is bonkers. Mm. You know, it's gone way faster than we ever thought it would, and it it makes the difficult second album even more difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it has been a stab in the dark. You know, we're open about that. And it's, it's, it's so cool. It's, it's great. You've, and you've done, you've done really well. We've just got to keep plowing on now. And the difficulty is uh, finite space. Yeah. It's purely finite space. And, you know, if you think in the summer months, we've got hundreds of car parking spaces and in the winter months, we've got 150. Yeah. It's not a lot. No. So you, you find, you know, we cause a problem Actually, let me rephrase that. The, the, the community 
obviously are very sensitive about what we've done. And we have to spend a lot of time mitigating that risk and ensuring that we don't have ramifications to the wider community sphere. Yeah. But the more people we can swallow in sight, the better. Yeah. So when we're wet and the field's unusable and the bank's unusable, we're conscious that we cause a problem because people come from miles away. Yeah. You know, they come from all over the country and they drive up and they go, ah, shit, it's shut. And they circulate around the local villages and keep passing by. I'm like, okay, come in now. Yeah, that's tough. That's tricky. Because you have a massive sign just before you leave that says, just don't. Yes. Big, big push. And big push. All along has been a big push. I, again, through learning, going to supercar, Malibu supercar meets, Ace Cafe meets, um, you know, summer nationals in Australia meet. All of these things that I've gone to over the last six or seven years to try and help formulate what I wanted to deliver, mm-hmm. the core issue, full stop, was people leaving. Yeah. Full stop, always. And these guys don't realize on a spot event, it's easy to be a dick and disappear off down the road. But when it's the thing that lives, breathes 365 days a year and we've built it for you, don't, you know, you don't roll out your own garage and do a burnout in front of yeah. your neighbors because you know you've got to come home at five o'clock yeah. and someone's going to come and slap you. It's a really tricky one. I think for most people to understand slash like realize at that moment in time, because I've done it. I've totally done it. You leave a car event. And you're like, I'm in a car that sounds great. Woohoohoo, put your foot down, whatever. Have yep. fun. But you can't come back. Like th- this place needs to exist. And unfortunately, you know, everyone has neighbors. And you know, you, I think everyone would l- you'd love at the end of an event to be able to have like a, a massive car, open car park style where everyone can do a massive drift mm. and then just burn off down the road and it not affect anyone. No. But but that's the, that's the desire to have like a Nabusu or a, yeah. an Ascari. Somewhere, someday, that'll happen, you know, where we can, we can facilitate that. Yeah, you might look. This, but what this is space. there, this half a million miles of tarmac around the UK? Yeah. You don't have to do it with half a mile left, half a mile right. And I get it. I get it. It's postulation, isn't it? You leave, you drive past a car park full of X hundred people. Yeah. They're all having a look. And people are filming you and all sorts of stuff. And the inner 13-year-old comes out. It does. It's it, it's a really tricky one, though. And I don't think we're trying to police it. That's one thing we we yeah. we keep having to try and get across is we're not we're not we're not policing it. We're just saying please don't. Just please don't. Yeah. Just a minor element of respect. Yeah. You know, you, you again, you wouldn't walk down a high street and have a pee in the high street. You'd find a toilet. You know, what? Why do a burnout here? Go and find somewhere quiet. Yeah. You know, go and drive through Wales. Enjoy enjoy the countryside. Exactly. Give go a bit of a, economics to Elan Valley's yeah. shop, you know. Go have a blat in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. That's the time. Yes. Not through a village. No. No. And that, that's been that's been a really big challenge is to make uh, the wider community around us understand that we're doing absolutely everything within our powers. Everything within the realms of what we're allowed to do. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if you invite 100,000, it's not 100,000 people, but 100,000 people turn up an event. Mm. It's very, very tiny, tiny percentage of them are dickheads. You're always going to get a wallet. So they, it's going to happen. You're always going to get a wallet. And it's not your fault. No. But, you know, we're, we're making, we're, I, think we're, I think we're making questions get raised that probably wouldn't have been raised before. You know, because yeah. a bulldog bash used to happen annually um, in Stratford-upon-Avon and it caused a lot of problems, as you could imagine. And we're not the bulldog bash. But you can imagine when it was created and the conversations were happening, there was an immediate cross 
you know, the, the, the brains were like, it's, it's like a fuck, it's like a bulldog bash at home seven days a week. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not, it's not, you know, we're, we're not, we're not fostering illegal cars. We're not fostering illegal people. This is, this is you and me. And it could be a CEO, like we've talked about, you know, interesting. It's not a rabble down there. Yeah. You know, these are some serious industry players all the way down to very aspirational and very interesting 17, 18 and 19 year olds. Yeah. And that's probably just referring to the age thing. That's one thing that's shocked us all is how many youngsters there are, Mm. you know, loads. And the feedback that we consistently get is that they don't buy cars. They don't want cars and they're not interested in cars. It's not, it's not necessarily true. true. They're there and they're all buzzing around and they're all, you know, some of them are modifying and playing around with and restoring super interesting cars, but some of them are buyers, you know, aspiring for A3, S3s and, you know, Fiesta ST. There is an aspirational layer of, of young sub 20, early twenties. And we get a lot of them and it's so warming to see, but it's, it's contradiction to what the markets are telling us. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's the last bastion, right? Unless we're seeing the last voice on the floor. But they're, they're certainly, they're, they don't want driverless autonomous vehicles. They want... And we are so far away from fully autonomous. No, miles. Like... Miles and miles and miles. The road network wasn't, wouldn't work. There's, there's, just, so many in, there's so many factors that will make it pro- problematic. You know, you're, you're playing with a legacy system that's... Yeah, and I think... so difficult to turn. Yeah, it's... it's there's, that's, a, that's a whole... It's like what we said downstairs, right? You know, electric vehicles by, by this cutoff date. So, well, what about the, the dirtiest products on the planet? What's their cutoff date? You know, it's, it's, it's weird that as a mass transport, we are mass transport, but we're also passion. And whether our industry will end up being a little bit like the motorbike industry is today. Yeah. Or horses or whatever. It's the big, it's the big question mark. Yeah. yeah. These activities that people do for fun. Yes. But whether, you know, I mean, the really scary thing is, is whether you'll be allowed to allowed to drive full stop, drive full stop on the road or petrol cars and whatever. Yeah. Could you imagine 10 million autonomous vehicles and 10 million non-autonomous vehicles trying to engage with each other on the highways? Yeah. I mean, if you were the non-autonomous vehicle, you could do whatever you like. Just <laughs> <laughs> quite compelling. Yeah. Reminds me of iRobot, but it's some, um, yeah, that, that whole platform's intriguing. It's the same as EV. You know, we, we've got provision for EV. We see EV. I don't think we need a charging point. You know, I, I, I don't think, I don't know why there's this continuous, like you must have charging points, must have charging well, points. Because they're everywhere. They're everywhere. And also like you don't have a petrol station. No. So but you've also got, you've got your charging point at home. Yeah. You've got your charging point at the shops. You've got your charging, yeah, they're everywhere. I'd like them. Yeah. Um, but the logistics of getting them in aren't easy. Again, because you were in an old country pub in the middle of the night. Well, we don't oh, even have Wi-Fi, Sam. <laughs> You know, we operate off airband, which is, again, it's a great system. It gives us, it gives us function, but we've not got fiber. Yeah, but I, I didn't have fiber until like six months ago. It's a nightmare. And I'm in the center of London. Yeah. It's madness. So again, these aspirational goals of, you know, full EV by 20, whatever it is, they're great goals. Yeah. If they're achievable, I'd be well surprised. And our power network and all of this stuff. I can't even get people to come in my entrance and out my exit. <laughs> do you have an exit yeah i mean they they, they it's it's in and out they but, go out down there yeah oh, i've never but you done still that. you still get people every day go out the exit every day wow 
So you're going to have that same notice. This. You're going to have that same problem. So yeah, I'm one of these people. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's so difficult. It's so difficult. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for us. I'd just like to get 2020 out of the way, really. Not that I want to. <laughs> not that I want to whisk it away. But I'm so scared of good weather, and I'm so scared of the summer because we've got a year of awareness under our belts now. Yeah, people know about you. Yeah, you it's can. It's like when you're surfing, right? You can see that set coming. Yeah, they're on the horizon. They're coming towards it's us, lining up. fast. Oh, oh man, we know it's going to be a problem. It freaks Dan and I out. Gives us sleepless nights. Ah, you'll work it out. Yeah, yeah. We need to so build like a, me who's, you know, We need like an eight-story NCP car park down the back, don't we? Yeah, I sincerely believe you could open up one around the corner and it would work. You know, on a busy day. Yeah, yeah. just maybe. Surely, can you find a? Is there a local landowner that'll be like? There is, there is, yeah, yeah. There's, 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 there's feasibility for it, but again, you know, if you've if you've got X hundred cars on site, and then all of a sudden you're using an overflow, you put the business back under yeah. even more pressure, right? Because you've still got the same, you've still got one bar, <laughs> still got the same delivery problem, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's you know that's the work that we've got ahead of us now is to get this new, like I was explaining to you with our daikoku, which is our Japanese themed evenings that happened on the first Wednesdays. We've split the month up into four. Wednesday evening mm-hmm. activations and each of those activations will then form part of our product offering on weekends. So that if you turn up on a super busy weekend, it won't be just the roadhouse that's serving food. There'll be a daikoku pop up. There'll be a, oh, okay. So you'd be able to go and get noodles outside as opposed oh, to cool. sitting and waiting for, for food. Cause we're, we're conscious that people come, they have a coffee and they leave Yeah, cause it's busy. Yeah. They don't the, sen- the sensible human would say, right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go down to Stratford and grab some food there. And I'd like to capture them. Yeah, that would be ideal. So what, what nights do you run at the moment? So at the moment, we've got first Wednesday of every month is Daikoku. And what, what turns up at a Daikoku night for oh, people wow. that don't know? It's, uh, so Daikoku is it's a spot in Tokyo where there's a, there's a weekly car meet. And it's super cool. It's a very broad spectrum of vehicles in, in Japan. It's slightly different to what we've managed to attract here, but ostensibly Japanese vehicles. Mm-hmm. So everything from an original Toyota Supra to a Hakusuka to a Corolla to a FJ40 yeah. um, and everything in between. We've, we've, we've attracted a lot of K cars, which are ace, mm. a lot of drift cars. There's a, it's a vibrant scene. Yeah. An exceptionally young, vibrant. Neons? Talented neons, big time. I love neons. So we dress the whole place in neons. We work with a company uh, just north of us called ATC that supplies with these amazing box, light box units. Um, and we dribble them all around the property. Um, so the whole place gets lit up. Cars come actively with with downlighters on. Nice. The menu goes full full noodles and yeah. soup, and the clothing line becomes focused on daikoku. The next one to come will be Thunderbolt, which will be our. I think that's going to be on the third. I'll get this right, third or fourth weekend, but yeah. we'll formally communicate it. Um, and that will be our uh, hat tip towards hot rodders. Mm-hmm. throughout each of these propositions, you're going to get cars that cross the divide, right? Yeah. Always. So the hot, hot rodders are everything from your ubiquitous kind of early, early thirties, early forties, hot rods all the way up to your orange car. Yeah. You know, you have a nine eleven hot rod. Yeah. And it's that it's communicating it correctly that that's what Thunderbolt is. And then the German evening is Strass and culture. And again, we're going to go Bratwurst and, you know, very German based food specific German beer on the night and just change the vibe of the place completely. But Strat Strass and Culture will be everything from Mark II Golfs to E30 M3s to Bagged yeah. RS6s. Like all welcome. The home Nice night. broad brush. Yeah, again, it has to be. 
It has to be. The, the difficulty comes for me at the moment, which I'm losing way too many hours thinking about, is how to then pick up the others. Yeah. And do I call it the others? <laughs> but do I call it the other? If you call it the others, how do people know they are the other? Yeah, there, therein lies the problem, right? <laughs> like, what's my 205 GTI? Where do I fit? Yeah. And that's the next challenge. So the fourth one's the challenge, but we've got three in front of us. It um, could be called like your baby. Yeah, well, were, we were joking around. Like, so we've got England, we've got France, we've got Italy. It's like, what's the overriding theme? And it was like, it's unreliability. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So could you call it the unreliables? You know, there's, there's all these thinkings. Because as long as it, it for, for me, it has to be, not, it, has to, it has to go on the front of a T-shirt. Yeah. It has to work as a, as a brand. It has to work as a night. And it has to work as a night. And it has to work as a food offering. Okay. Yeah. So you can't just call it hot hatch. So what are you going to serve on hot hatch? Hot hatches and batches? And then it becomes <laughs> cheesy, right? And then you get lost in the the throwaway element of it all. Yeah, and the general, general, like the sort of general part of it is, is so massive. Because I look at um, like Ace Cafe London and I see their events list and it will be, you know, Porsche night, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And for me, when I look at an event that's, let's say, Porsche night, well, I don't really want to go to a Porsche only night. Mm. Like that sounds kind of boring. Mm. And it's not that interesting. It needs to be once once you do these sort of broader, you know, whether it's a modified car, like okay, yeah, because then there's so much scope for stuff that I don't know about. Yes, and that's the best thing, isn't it? it? It's communicating how you're going to do that. So we did um, the heavy duty day that we did. People didn't grasp the way that we celebrate these activations. So heavy duty for us was a celebration of the working vehicle. Yeah. And we brought a load of interesting working vehicles down. Did I see a sprayer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Bateman family brought a, uh, brought a crop sprayer. So yeah, it, we wanted to show people what, you know, you see them from 300 yards away yeah. in a field, you know, they're, they're banging these things. They run they to like six mil tolerance on, on, on satellite navigation <laughs> software. It's bonkers. So yeah, we had a, we had a massive case quad track in, we had a Bateman sprayer, uh, we had a um, we had a nuclear reconnaissance vehicle from the sixties. Wow. All sorts of what we would perceive as working vehicles, and then we did uh, winter weapons again, super broad spectrum, everything from RS sixes to nine eleven turbos yeah. to a Fabia. Homologation Nation was one that we didn't get to roll out because we didn't have enough time to think about it, but we wanted to put a representation between race car and road car the brands that have been put into a position of having to build homologated mm. vehicles because they're generally pretty cool. They are really cool. So if you can dress the yard with 10 homologated vehicles that sit next to their sisters, yeah. then that's rad. So that's one that we're going to try and pull off. But the idea is that we're going to run into um, second weekend and fourth weekend of every month will be one of our stylized weekends. Yeah. Pop icons and legends. Hot hatch weekend will be the, the big one that's coming because there's such a desire for it. But yeah. as long as you don't have 10 Renaults out front or 10 VWs out front, you need the full spectrum from a starlet to a golfer. Yeah. You need it all. Otherwise it, it misses the point. Something's rumbling. Rumbly V8. Again, stand up. average days. I'll disconnect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that's the challenge is getting the, commun- the communication right as to what we are. To go back to your point about Ace is if you know that it's going to be a portion on a Tuesday, you won't go. Yeah. Whereas if we make it broad enough... You'd think if you said a hot it. rod night, I would come. So, but it's getting the hot rod communicated right. Yes, it's not just Pontiacs and Oldsmobiles and Chevys. Yes, you know, you, within that hot rod world, there's all sorts of stuff. But you and I grasp that because we're probably of a slightly different outlook. 
But there's also, there's a huge part of like, I know if let's say you guys, you've done an event and it's, it was, let's say it's called, you know, hot rod night or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the media that's come out from event one, day one, day one, the photos that come out always controls is, it. is controls the entire thing. And yep. if you can just get the right people and it's not even necessarily whether they're there or not, it's you can choose what you show. Yeah. And if you show a bit of everything, then that's, that's, there's 90% of the. Well, strange, strange, strange one that added the conflict. Daikoku creates conflict because Japanese culture and Japanese style is dribbling everywhere, right? So you could turn up on Daikoku expecting to see a load of JDM cars and you'll see um, slammed Murcielago on ADV one wheels. <laughs> Like, how's that Japan? Oh, it's Japanese culture that's driving yeah. it. Singer turned up in a mule car on the first Daikoku night. So we look out the window and there's there's a, a black Singer mule vehicle. But you could quite conceivably see that car turn up to Daikoku in yes. Japan. Just like an Alpine. Yeah. You know, in Japan it's weird. Here it's just as weird. But it fits. So you're gonna get this cross divide. But yeah, setting the tone visually, big time. You know, we were lucky that we had S14s, S15s. R32s, R34s turn up quickly so that we could capture it. Yeah. And then, as you say, that sets the tone for the next communication. And that's been a big challenge is capturing this because mm. it's it's less a few people that have been engaging with us recently on weekend shoots is everything's, we shoot it in-house because mm. we have to. You know, we have to get out there and capture it for exactly what you've just said. Yeah. Is that it tells the next story. And if you fail to capture it, you've got nothing to talk about. Yeah, it picks or it didn't happen. No. <laughs> it is it, totally yeah, yeah yeah so you know i i could i could post a picture of your car now and people would turn up and go where's the blue 40 yeah Ta- time is irrelevant the products it was here yeah and it was outside the front of the building and i got a shot of it yeah so wherever you deploy it i'm not saying that we fake it but you could you could but you could but like you can't fake that it was here. No, that's just, I mean, that's not a correct statement. I said, you can't fake that it was here. You could fake that it's here, but that is just, that's a whole different ball game. Yeah. You I could say, like, you know, a good, good, good morning, yeah, good, good morning Monday with a shot out of the bedroom window of a badass car in the car park that just happened to be there six months ago. Oh, but at least it was here at some point in time. It was here, yeah. But it's, it's not, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, um, it's not a license to treat. It's almost like, I don't, I don't want to tease people with stuff that actually no, isn't because if, if, if you said this car is here right now, and someone People turns up mm. and they've made the effort, they're going to be unbelievably pissed off if it wasn't here. It's and you're always, not about that. So that's, that's, it's always a challenge to keep the quality of the product really, really high, the content really high and the content relevant and timely. Do you post often? Twice a day. Uh, it's quite often. Yeah, twice a day. So we do a morning and an evening slot, seven days a week. And is that based around your stuff that week? Yeah, it's a very, it's a very simple um content structure that we've created that basically rolls around what it is that we're doing. So like on a Monday morning, we talk about an ethos post. Mm -hmm. So uh, our Monday morning post is anything that works within the realms of what we're trying to build from just don't to what we are basically is the ethos behind CNM. And then Monday afternoon, your laugh is just banging car. (laughs) <laughs> nice. That's nice. all it needs to be, right? Um, Tuesday's a weekend heads up and announcement. Tuesday afternoon's life at CNM. You know, Wednesday afternoon's adventure. Friday afternoon's all about cult of machine, um, where we go out and do visits or we go and see a, you know, a, a restoration shop or a British touring car team or we go to Pro Drive. Yeah. They're in the cult. You know, shooting a podcast with you, cult of machine, because you're part of the scene. Yeah. So that's our structure. It's very, very simple. But social media is not easy to navigate. No, and it's 
it's it clearly, you know, it's something you've been involved in for a while and you have a structured plan. Mm. Whereas like a lot of places, they don't at all. No. And, and to the outsider, it probably just looks like, oh, there's this cool place and they get cool stuff turned up and whatever. But there's a ton of stuff that goes there is. in behind the scenes. Yeah, it is a little bit like a swan or a duck. Actually, we're a duck, we're not a swan. <laughs> yeah. Um, there is a lot of floating around and then there's all this feverish activity that goes on underneath. You know, to, to create a week's calendar, once you're into the structure, it's quite easy, but to build it, it's tough because you need the archive of content. You need to be able to keep it up forever yeah and I, I still go looking through my old hard drives and going oh god remember that day where i took that photo and, yeah yeah you know you're scrolling through it and you realize that there's a photo of you leaving vista heritage that i shot four years ago yeah, yeah. but it's still timely because the car hasn't changed yeah. the road hasn't changed the trees are still green it doesn't matter you can't see a tax disc yeah you know it's it's a timeless photo it's all the stuff yeah so it's being able to capture it in a manner that's timeless and archive it seasonally so obviously i i, I can i can do a summer as, you know, oh, we're looking forward to the summer days, yeah. but I can't make it regular. Yeah. Otherwise people are like, well, that's clearly not today, is it? Mm. So you, you have to, you have to content structure it and roll it out in the right way. And then we've got to tell people about the shop and then we've got to tell people about food. Cause again, we don't do we, you know, you don't go on our social media and see a picture of a burger. No. Cause it's secondary. There needs to be, people need to know. People need to know. So how do you tell them? Do you do we, breakfast? Yeah. Got a full breakfast menu. What's on your breakfast menu? Everything from a full English to a, a, a breakfast paella. A breakfast paella? That's the best. It's the best. Very Californian breakfast. Spicy oh. chorizo and egg. And, Sounds pretty good. Yeah. And then we've got a whole new breakfast menu coming. Um, and then we've got a lunch menu and then we're going to bring an evening menu in soon as well. Now that the bedrooms are here. Because again, we find this, we find ourselves in a really peculiar position where at 4.30, 5 o'clock, silence. Place, yeah, place, yeah, yeah, the place yeah. falls quiet. It's a, it's great, but at the same time, commercially, yeah, I'd like people eating. Yeah. So we we will. That's why we're doing these evening activations to make people realise that we are here. Mm. You know, we are open. We are doing stuff. Car wise, what what gets you going? Me what gets Phil going. I've got a really diverse love affair when it comes to the vehicle. I started my raw love affair started with rods, thirty mm-hmm. two Fords, really. Because I couldn't afford a 32 Ford, I got into the next best thing, which was a VW Beetle. And my dad, I say that very blasé, by the way, in my brain, V-dubs at Hot Rods, um, mainly because of then the world that I went down, which was drag racing and 70s culture and realising that VW Beetles were dominating, yeah. you know, eyegas motorsport in the 70s. So I got massively into VW drag racing. And the love affair of the Beetle then nudged me towards Porsche, obviously, natural run back then. And I got into my 912, which I've still got, when I was 24, 25, 23. It's quite cool to still have it. Yeah, the 912 is a honey. Um, and then the 912 developed and off we went. For me, it's if it's quirky, it's interesting, it's dynamically cool, or it's just fucking odd. You know, my, my 68 Westphalia, I love it to bits. You know, it's compromised, it's uncomfortable, it's loud. But my boys love it, I love it, and I can sleep in it. Mm. And it's ace. That basically sums up caffeine and machine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, iconic supercars. Yeah. I mean, yours is absolute right up there, you've right? Got an, you've got an icon. Yeah. She's a, she's a, she's a big, big part of my life. It all started, yeah, in 1988 Birmingham Motor Show. I went running down there to see that car from school. Phil has an XJ T20. Yeah. My dad and I are, are very lucky that um, 
I'm very lucky that I've got a dad who shares passion with me, actually. Albeit he's getting on a bit now, mm. so finds it a little bit difficult and intimidating to drive these things. But yeah, we 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 managed to pick up an XJ220, I don't know, seven, eight years ago now. Back when no one wanted it's more, them. It's got to be even a lot more than that, It's got to it? be more than that. Yeah, it's got to be near a decade, hasn't like it? Five. But again, that, that led us into an interesting world of meeting interesting people. Which is the best bit about isn't all it? of it. Isn't it? You know, when, um, you, when you own a car that I think they made 284 of them. Yeah. You become like a stat and then you turn up and people are like, oh my God, I've never seen one of those. And I've, I've, I still have friends to this day. One, one fella, Stephen Foxhall, um, back then he was working at Porsche Center Solly Holly, now works with Tesla in Norway. He chased me down the M40 in, that, in the, <laughs> the 220. And I could see these headlights following me around the back. And then I pulled off at Oxford Services and this bloody car followed me in. Pulled up to fuel. He just came barreling over to me, like bright, bright-eyed 20-something-year-old kid. I still like regularly communicate with him to this day. And it was all because he chased me down the motorway because he'd seen this 220. Yeah. And it's nuts. Yes, you get the weirdos. You always get the weirdos. But you can't navigate that car without getting followed or spotted or watched. It's mad. It's a mad thing. Yeah. It's big. It's loud. And you don't, you never see them. You never see them. No. You never see them. Even at, even at regular supercar shows, you don't see them. No. But they're all out there. They're all out there. I like wagons. Yeah. Got a big love affair of so wagons. So you're, you're a wagon over an SUV person. Big time. I don't understand SUVs. I sort of don't. I understand I don't off-road really. vehicles. I don't understand SUVs. Do you not like being slightly high up? No. No, not, not at all. Not at all? No. All that in traffic? No. Because the majority of vehicles on the road are now SUVs. That's true. So you're staring down the barrel of the next vehicle in front of you, which is the same as the one you're in. Wider. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I find myself not living in traffic. So, um, you know, I'm lucky that I'm in the countryside. Yeah, if you've got to navigate a corner or a straight. It's or just, braking. it's never been. Look, I, I, you know, I spent a lot of time working with Jaguar and Land Rover. So I was, I, I spent time living in, in Range Rovers yeah. and Land Rover Discoveries. But for me, they absolutely came into their own because I lived on the edge of a desert playground. Yeah. So all of a sudden I was in a vehicle that could take me 10 miles into the desert and sit me on top of a dune in utter silence. It could get me there. Not to say that you and I wouldn't have an absolute riot giving it a go in a Toyota Corolla, but it was easy. You could get it there. You could stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, For me, absolutely imperative. You know, running through the city, going to the beach, driving onto the beach, having all the stuff in the back, it works. It's absolutely fun. But you're using the functional vehicle. Using the function. You know, if if you're buying a 700 horsepower American SUV, which is effectively a dragster that's lifted up. I don't, yeah. I don't grasp it because you, you put that car into the element that it was designed for and it will fall over. Yeah. Cause it's on 22 inch rubber bands. It doesn't work. It doesn't have a transfer box anymore. And that's why I fell in love with the Jimny. Cause it is actually what it is. It's a terrible product. It's awful, but you know, take it for a drive across the countryside and skip through a field and round the back of yeah. you. If you're buying it for purpose, then magic. Absolutely yeah. magic. I couldn't imagine commuting in that thing it's like the the one that i blows my mind is the people that drive a defender like regularly in in town i sort of get mm-hmm. if you do any sort of motorway driving bonkers that's just ludicrous bonkers bonkers and i know some people like ludicrous but that sounds pretty painful yeah yeah so yeah wagon all day long uh big body saloon cars you know love early s classes mm. um yeah anything that's that's just big, you know, Ronin always sticks into my head because I was probably of the right age to watch it. But big, fast saloon cars. Yeah. There's something right about them. There is a lot. You can put all the stuff in them. Comfy. 
But they're just mega. They look right as well. The design proposition's great. You know, the Jag XJ, the current Jag XJ, if product quality was better, you know, sometimes the tactility of yeah. stuff's a bit soft, but as a, as a silhouette, it's ace. I mean, it's massive. It's an awesome looking piece of kit. And it may be that kind of hark back to hot rods again. Maybe. I don't know. You know, big Oldsmobiles and big caddies had yeah. those huge sweeping lines, didn't they? And then, yeah, all facets of motorsport, custom motorbikes, all of the above. You know, I watch MotoGP, touring cars, V8 supercars, Blancpain, Bathurst, all of it, consume it all. NASCAR. What's your favourite? Do you have a favourite? I love big big GT cars. Yeah. Yeah. Mainly because, again, I probably grew up in the right era where you would win on a Sunday, sell on a Monday. Yeah. And there's a visual connection. It's like watching Colin McRae in a 22B. You could then walk into the showroom and buy one. It's huge. It's, It's a huge part. Yeah. And I'm lost a little bit why um, Porsche did it really well, didn't they? Porsche would build a GT3 car, less the rear wing, it looked like the Super Cup car. Yeah. And you could add that rear wing and you could drive a physical Super Cup car. When Ferrari started doing their one-mate championship, the car looked different to the Speciale. Yeah. So the car in the showroom doesn't match the car that's winning the races. I mean, now they don't. Get- like the Porsches and stuff, They, you can see where it's come from. Yeah. Obviously the, the racing car is, is different, but your, your Cup car, is a GT3. Yes. And it's bonkers. It's got the same name, basically. Yeah. But, you know, watching Bathurst, I thoroughly enjoy watching those those big GT cars hustle. Yeah. Because they're doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing. I like off-road racing as well. But again, that's probably by proxy of living in the Middle East for a long, long time and watching it. I Strangely enough, I like NASCAR. Do you? I think I, it's nuts. It is nuts. You know, you spend just, it's, it, it's boring because it's so long. You know, it's not like a 90-minute sprint race, yeah, is it? Yeah. It's, you, you sit down for the afternoon. But the, the, just what they get up to is bonkers. When you watch onboards and see how much the cars are moving around and dancing, and it's archaic, they're basically horse and carriage. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And I was talking to someone last week, and he was explaining like some of the drafting stuff. Uh, this this cons- um, It's like side drafting. Yes. But you can't computer model it, can you? So they don't know how it's affecting the car. And... So the the cons the idea um, from what I can understand to explain to try and explain to the listeners is you basically you pull up on someone's rear three quarter and there's a about a right place where what you start doing is you start messing with their aero and then so it, it slows them down mm-hmm. so sitting on someone's rear three quarter slows them down and then. Once they slow down a certain amount, and it is quite a noticeable amount, you then peel off to the side yeah. so they can't do the same to you. Yeah. And you basically get slung, slingshotted yeah. past them. Yeah. But you're not behind them. You're not in front of them. No. And you can find yourself going from P1 to P6. Yeah. Just by getting in the wrong place at the wrong time. And apparently this, uh, this works in all racing. Yeah. It's like a game of chess, right? In a way. Yeah. But you're, you're, caught, on a, you're caught on an oval. It's it's less about the, you know, if you're in the Nürburgring and you've got all those kilometres to, to to contend with, it's going to be less of an impact, yeah. isn't it? Whereas if you're stuck at, I don't know, Bristol, Bristol's the one I want to go to, desperate to go to Bristol, you know, to watch a mile oval with 200,000 people clambering around the top watching it, drinking Slurpees. You know, that, that for me is a nuts experience. You know, watching Chili Bowl two or three weeks ago with these little outlaws, you know, thousand mm. horsepower outlaws, it's it's... It's a, it's a strategy game that's played out over hours. At very high speeds. Yeah. It's nuts. It's absolutely bonkers. And that, that's crazy. where it's interesting. I don't think it's the desire to drive a NASCAR. I just like the elements that make it what it is. And that's it. It's like a, that's what really good announcers and whatever they're called, reporter type people mm. convey. 
is the interesting things that are going on. Yeah. Because most people, like, you know, I look at NASCAR and go like, mm, yeah, don't understand whatever. it. And like Indy, similar sort of thing. I'm like, yes, I didn't, I didn't know until yesterday that sometimes they go to like 260 miles an hour on a straight. Yeah. yeah. 260 it's miles an hour. Bonkers with the inside wheels a different shape and size to the yeah. outside wheels. And they have this little lever that shifts the bias like front left to back right. Yeah, yeah. So they can add understeer. But or then I, I lost track of IndyCar and car post Nigel Mansell. The visual of them was amazing back then. Mm. They looked great. They were big. They were heavy. They were fast. They look a bit awkward now. Yeah. I find it strange. They look a bit weird. They're not, it's like the Formula E thing. Yeah. They're probably a little yeah, bit out similar, of my visual comfort zone. The, have you seen the renders for, is it next year's F1 or the, oh, the 2021 stuff? Yeah. 2021. It's getting like IndyCar again. But it kind of looks badass. Yeah. There's going to be an element to it that will be more interesting to see when they're dribbled in the liveries of each of the race teams. Yeah. It's hard when you see it in a peculiar F1 inspired render. Do you follow F1? Yeah, big time. I'm a sucker for it. I'm, I'm, I'm a skirt around it. Yeah. No, I'm an absolute sucker for it. The, the internet algorithms force it down my neck every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do. I do. And again, it's, it's, I, I prefer the run up. Yeah. to the race itself. Okay. I prefer, uh, from what you said, it's, it's the explanation, it's the data, it's the chats, it's the understanding, the machine behind the yes. product. The, the Netflix series. Yes, it was a Netflix series. Super good. It was so good. Yeah. And next one's about to come, isn't it? I, I think, think what they've done next time is the basically gone, well, that went well. Yeah. You can record whatever the hell you like. Yeah. And the teams that abstained are now involved because yeah. they saw the success of the prior one. Yeah. That, that kind of fly on the wall stuff is, it's, yeah, with, I, I say without probably sweeping. It's what was interesting about uh, the, the, the vlogger YouTube community is all of a yeah. sudden you were getting the behind-the-scenes stories. And that's what people want. And I, I think you must struggle with this a little bit as well. It's As someone who likes creating high-quality stuff, yep. you kind of just want to create high-quality stuff. But in reality, most people that are consuming nowadays, unless they go to the cinema, they want to know about the people and the stories and all the stuff. And they want to get a perception that the thing they're consuming is real. Mm -hmm. And once you get to a certain level of quality, people's perception of reality goes, goes Mm -hmm. like if you're shaking on your phone, they're like, no, that's real. That's happening right now. I'm getting this guy's thoughts. Yeah. And it's a con for me. It's a, it's like a constant battle between my minds of like what, probably would work best, which is literally just tell the stuff as it is in a really raw format versus like, I want it to look like. Yeah. Well, we talked about that with Matt Farrow. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Harper earlier, didn't we? He simplified his process. He he realised, and without speaking for him, obviously, but I think he realised very early on that the high production values were pointless. were buggeration and are pointless. Yeah. So if you can scratch it back to the raw, you know, what does he need? Two cameras, three cameras. Yeah. I think if you compose it nicely, it's you can fine. still produce the good, and it's the it's about the content. Yeah, it is. And um, Tim's always been one of those people since day one. Yes. I've always pushed him and been like, you should make something with sick cameras and mm. blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, but no one wants it. Nope. And if I can film this, this way, and it's- Makes my life it's, easier. It's three clips that I put together. Yep. It's all continuous talking and whatever. Yep. Then I can make 360 videos a year. Yes. And that's what people prefer. Yes. I completely agree, which is why I've not touched video. Mm. <laughs> Because yeah. <laughs> for me, it's composing a good photo, well, I say, composing what I think is a good photo, um, and then editing it in the manner that I've now got used to from years and years photos. of doing it. But for me, I'm in control of that. Yeah. And it's just as easy and just as fast for me to do that than it is to do an iPhone photo. Yes. Because it's the same process. I take yeah. the photo, you go into Snapseed or whatever it is on your phone, you spend a little bit of time editing it, you get your photo, you post it. I'd rather spend 20 minutes running the car park, go upstairs, sit in front of a computer, get it absolutely physically right, and then fire it out. Yeah. I can't do that with film. Film is just... Because I'm uncomfortable with it. It's just... And it's just a whole nother level. I'm also scared about being too much in the public domain. Yeah. You know, this was never about me. You know, this was about CNM. So I think if you were going to host a camera and host a YouTube show, you automatically put yourself in that position, don't you? Yeah, you do. And everything that comes with it. Yes. You know, and it's already hard enough on occasion. And it's nice. It's never been a problem. But, you know, sitting for lunch in Portsmouth and having someone come and sit with you who you've never met before, but they think they know you. You just said you regularly do this in this joint. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Shit. But there is that. No, I'm allowed to do that. As I say, not as I do. But it's, you know, you get it. We all get it, don't we? It's it's the, it's that... I don't know. Is it the semi-invasion of privacy? I don't know. Yeah, it, it is. And it's a, it's a fine balance because let's say when you're here, you are, you know, you're part of the caffeine machine and it's, you've chosen to be here. Mm. Okay. You, you're here a lot of the time, but also you're making yourself available to be spoken to. And, yes. and that's sort of what, you know, that's what you want to do. Yeah. When you're having dinner with your friends somewhere, it's tricky, isn't it? It's, it's not, it's, I think from, from my point of view, and I, I, I never get recognized. So occasionally get recognized at a track or something. Yeah. And that's like you being here. It's sort of, you're at this place, you're putting yourself out there, you're putting yourself in the public eye. But quite often I find, if I'm with Tim, we've been in the weirdest places. Mm. Not like we're in a weird place, but like, <laughs> you know, some clubs that we can't talk about. Yeah. Um, but you know, it could be the other side of the world doing something and someone will come up and want to spend, you know, understandably time talking to him. Yeah. And you're like, God, just like, not now. Yeah. You can see I'm busy, kinda. But he, and he's, he's never that person to be like, I'm too busy. He no. will talk to everyone No, no, and so, so will I. It's just, it's sometimes it's just like, oh. It's quite nice to I not. get super excited by it. But then it, on, on the flip side, you know, I'm walking down Leamington High Street the other day and a guy's walking towards me wearing one of my cl- items of clothing. That's really cool. And I kind of want to stop him. Yes. So yes. all of a sudden it's flip and I find myself going, do, 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 you're wearing my shirt. <laughs> but I'm, I'm in a lucky place of being bald and wearing glasses um, <laughs> and wearing a hat. I can, I can almost go Clark Kent on yeah. life. And, you know, if I drop my hat and I drop my glasses and I don't wear scraggy jeans and trainers. You look very different. I, yeah, I can, I can walk straight past people that know me. 
it's, it's quite interesting. It's even happened to people that work here. Yeah. You know, if I wear a different hat, take my glasses off and shave my fluff, <laughs> it's ace. It's ace. Maybe that's the tactic. Like have one look for any public interaction and yeah. then just change completely different yeah, three yeah. piece. But then Tim, Tim, Tim's in the same boat that we find ourselves in is, is that the product gets connected to the human. Yeah. So if you see one of Tim's cars and you know, he's got the plates obviously, and that makes it even more obvious. Yeah. Um, it's nice occasionally having a skunk works car that you can pot around in. Yeah. You know, your, your, I, yours I is run just that standard plates on. Okay. The Ferrari has a different plate, but that was, it's just fun. But it's a, it's a thing, the F40, right? You're not yeah. going to live in it. You're not going to see yeah, you at the yeah. Shell Petrol Station in London. 25 decibels. Like, you're not no. sneaking anywhere. No. Um, which actually probably make, makes me drive it a lot less because mm. it's this thing, this monster mm. that sort of follows you. You know, people come up to you and go like, oh my God, this is blah, blah, blah. And you're like, yeah, no, I, I fully appreciate it. This is awesome. Mm. I will floor it out of this place. <laughs> That's why you. I'm here. That's it why is I'm awesome. Here. But it's nice to be able to get out of that car and I'm not that car. Yeah. Whereas if you are this famous person, like that, that's it. I imagine it's one of those cars that works really, it, it could work one of two ways. I had a long chat with my dad about this a long time ago, that sometimes the product will lead you to people that you never knew that you could be friends with. So you could blindly turn up anywhere, anywhere in the world. If you were in a 40 or a 220 or anything iconic, yeah. all of a sudden, the minute you swing the door open, you've got people. It's really to weird. I, a hundred percent. A hundred percent happens. And I have a really hard time dealing with that sometimes. Cause if, if I'm, if you know, if you met me randomly and I'm like, I'm Sam. Mm. Cool. Hi Sam. Chat about whatever the fuck ever. Mm. If I turn up and then matey next to me goes like, Oh, funny thing about Sam. He's got this car. Mm. That's it. You've lost that. Just like, like, who's Sam? I want to know who's about Sam. Sam. Yeah. And we can talk about whatever and there's no angle on anything. No. Nope. Whereas quite often if people see me and I've just got out of that car, they treat me differently. Yeah, big time. Not in a certain, no one treats me in a bad way or anything. Everyone's super friendly, but you've lost that, like, we're on the same level. You've lost the innocence a little bit, haven't you? And just like, we can chat about whatever. But that's what, that's what works so well about the car park down there. Yeah. Is that the minute you're out and you're clear of your product, you've got the freedom to be back into that place again, where you could have a really lovely chat with someone who starts to talk about how their grandfather was involved in the ignition system for F40. And you're having this amazing chat. And he's like, you know, the bloke that owns this must have an absolute riot with it. And that's where you can go. "Mm -hmm." And you can just have this chat without revealing that information. And that's the best. That is the best thing I think about going to a car event. I, I don't understand people that go and stand by their car and they're like, hello, hello I'm the owner. Uh, hello, hello, I'm the owner. Don't touch it. I'm the owner. Like, no, that's not what it's about. It's about taking the the 10 steps back and watching and watching just everything. Yeah. Philip, um, Philip K. Kadori yeah. came in in his, um, came in his DB3. He just genuinely, he parked it at the back of the car park, like under the trees mm. late last summer. And very quickly got out of it and very quickly watched. And it's amazing the interaction that people have. And Philip's like one of the most lovely human beings. And so would, nice. But he's not going to say it's mine, it's mine, no, no, it's no. mine. And by the way, I've got this and that. It's just so reserved and so lovely. And he's kind of strategically found this way of dealing with the fact that he's just rocked up in this DB3. And it was it was subtle and it was nice. And it was so pretty and it wasn't lean on the front wing and engage with everybody yeah. that comes by. Cause there's some people you meet and you know, within four seconds, all of the stuff they own and do. Mm. 
like sweet, no secrets. Like, okay, cool. Um, I don't think we're going to be friends. No. no. And then, so, so then you have the flip side. It's like you could meet Philip, just have a friendly chat. Yeah. Just a nice guy. There's some amazing people that the internet has afforded me and, and yourself and yeah, a bunch of other people to meet, right? Like loads of our mutual friends. Some of these guys are just awesome human beings. And then you realize what they do. You're yeah. like, oh my God, you're even more awesome. Yeah. Why didn't I know this? And it's, oh, you're just, you're very subtle. Yeah. You know, subtleties. My mum used to rat on about it. Keep counsel. You know, keeping counsel is one of the most powerful tools in the world and not many people do it. Mm. Um, you know, the, the subtlety of approach is, is wicked sometimes. Yeah, it's huge. Even dodging bullets, you know, is it yours? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't need to say, yeah. just keep it rolling. It's fun because they, they, I don't think they, as a, as a general member of the public, I don't think they see any benefit. No. To you being the owner, they're, they're there to see the product. Yeah. You know, it's, it's an F40. And it's almost and it's better both. if it's not. Yes. As mates who lend it to me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And then you can just, you can talk about it or whatever. They don't. You can. You can. It's, it's, it adds a more beautiful element to the way that society probably should operate. Mm. But again, it's gone the other way, hasn't it? It's. And both sides of that equation, you can also be the person asking the questions about someone's car or whatever. And, I find some people, when I'm talking to them, they, they're like, they're searching for all of the answers within the first like three seconds. They're like, yeah. oh, you own this car. What else do you own? Yeah. Tell me about everything in your life. You're like, whoa, like, I don't even know your name. Mm. And I'm not going to tell you all about my life yet. No. But like, I'm happy to have a chat. Yeah. Got a beetle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like if I meet some random person in the street, they're like, what do you drive? I'm like, an Audi. Mm. There's, an, there's an element of it that I think more people need to, to take heed of, but then, then it's forced down your neck daily, right? You know, everything, every time you jump online and, and look at the explore section of Instagram, it can, pretend, it could psychologically ruin you every single day. And it changes the way it that you. It probably does. Yeah, it does. And it, it, we were talking about it earlier. Matt, Matt in the U S is trying to find a way of disconnecting himself from having any app based products on his phone. Yeah. I would dearly love that, but I can't, I can't stop it. I can't do it. It, it's not like I, it's not like I need it psychologically to feed me. I maybe need it. You do. Yeah, maybe I do. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm just masquerading it. My girlfriend switched to just consuming social media on her laptop. Yeah. Um, Makes it so much harder. She doesn't really, she posts on Twitter, but she doesn't post on Instagram. Posting on Instagram from your computer is a bit tricky. Mm. And... She rates it as a thing. I, like, I totally get it. I, I kind of wish I could delete everything from my phone, but then I use it all. I don't know. It's I, I, I think I use Instagram a bit more like Pinterest probably should be used. You know, I go hunting for, I go hunting for things that might help steer my decisions and thoughts yeah. going forward. It's less consumer driven. So I don't get lost down the hole of, I need those wheels on my car and I'm going to spend 42 years researching wheels and getting upset with people that have the wheels that I want. I go, I go looking down the way that brands are operating, the way yeah. that people are using platforms. Um, the way that people are engaging with platforms is very interesting. It yeah. It's, it's, it's grown this place. Yeah. So I need it's to keep a part of it. So I need to keep a track of it and I need to understand how people are engaging with it. And you, you can, you can kill it and you can set fire to it by doing two things that are actually very close to each other. Yeah. But get it wrong, like miss it by an hour and it'll fall on its face. Yeah. Numerically. There's a, there's a, there's a joke in house that if, if social media starts to fall post an F40, <laughs> it just recovers it straight away. 
Yeah. You know, you engage in or whatever. Yeah. yeah. There's just that, there's one or two things, you know, the, these iconic cars that people just, I don't know whether the algorithm picks up the shape. It understands what it's looking at. Yeah. Well, no. there's also certain things that people will look at and regardless of whatever they click like. Yes. I see I click like. Yes. And, and that's always the challenge out, outside is to, is to acknowledge that we're inclusive and we let everybody in, but also be very aware that one out of the 20 cars is going to be interesting yeah. to the majority. And it's getting that right that's shot. tricky. It is. You know, I, pu- I pushed the boat out the weekend with, um, so there's a, a guy called Mark uh, Huxley, Huxley Motorsport that turned up in a, in a wagon galaxy 500 at the weekend. And I normally wouldn't lead with a wagon and I certainly wouldn't lead with a bagged galaxy 500, <laughs> but I did. And the world went mad for it. And especially a purple galaxy 500 with a three liter diesel BMW. Oh, engine yeah. That thing looks badass. Yeah. That's cool. But it's homebrew. You know, he's built it himself. Yeah. He's engineered it it's himself. It's like a Hertz. <laughs> it's just, it's absolutely incredible. But you, you know, in a car park full of bonkers, interesting cars, that was the one that I chose to lead. Yeah. And, you know, you can see the cars that were with it. So you've got Chaser 720. There was a Ferrari sat there. There was a Metro. Yeah. <laughs> Hero in a Metro. You know, GT3s. There was all sorts of stuff stuck in the car park that weekend. But that was the one. XJ40 track car. I mean, oh. in the war, yeah. great proposition. Like buy an XJ40, strip it to sh- shreds, and then go track laying in it. Or like the guy that turns up in a Range Rover track car. You've That's got it's, amazing. It's finding those weird things that you know are going to turn people on. I don't know, maybe because your account is a strictly business account. Yep. And I, I sort of guess mine kind of is. Yeah, it's turned it that is. way, hasn't it? Yeah. I, I find it really difficult with, and I did a post yesterday, day before, that was just me. Hmm. And it was like, actually, I'm just going to post like what I want to post. And I've been skiing with a bunch of mates and I did one post that mm. was like some skiing pictures and it fit in with my timeline or whatever. Mm. And I find it really, that balance is super difficult because people, I follow people rather than the product, the products. Mm-hmm. And you can only go so far just becoming a stream of a picture of a Sonder and a whatever. And like, yes, okay. Like I will, I will click a like on those pictures mm-hmm. and that gets interaction and stuff like that. But you're then basically any of you're no better than any of the the blacklist no. or these Instagram pages that kind of make me rage because they don't actually create any content. No, they don't. They steal everything and, and then masquerade. Yeah, yeah. And Instagram gives no provision for the person that created it in any way, shape, or form. The only solace that I get in all of that is that they run out of steam. Yeah, they do run out of steam and they do disappear, and they're not the flavor of the month anymore because they're not capable of. You're always one step ahead because you're creating the thought. They're reacting to your thought. Mm. So the minute that they've got no capability of reacting anymore, it starts to fizzle. Yeah. And then it's how do you manage your own profile to have a personality of sorts? Like, yeah. you know, you've got to you've got to come across as a character. Mm. And and same with this place, you know, mm. you've just got to have a feeling and a vibe and yep. it's got to be a voice behind it. Yep. But how do you do that whilst navigating all of the other stuff yeah it's and tricky. also just like life gets in the way and you're like i can't post a picture every day no. like it's not going to happen no or also i haven't done something crazy interesting and i'm not going to go trawling through my archives and go here's me doing this yeah, 20 yeah years five ago. years ago or whatever throwback yeah yeah but that, that's the difficulty of 
playing because uh, you, you, if you take media, it's split into three, isn't it? You obviously it's split into owned. So what you're controlling on, what you're in control of, earned what other people think of you, yeah. and then paid paid we work owned and earned at cnm we've never touched paid and never will it makes it even harder when you've got a brand to build and a load of products to sell yeah because we could very quickly and easily just push paid yeah but i know i can't because paid will kill Kill the others so it, it makes it really hard to navigate especially then when you've got a bunch of people around you in the business that are vested in it as employees mm. who say you need to be pushing this today yeah it's like no i don't want to because if I push it, it's going to kill it. Yeah. So it's it's staying on the right wave at the right time, doing the right thing with the right content. Far out, you get lost in your own world. It requires an unbelievable amount of planning to do it, yeah. to seem organically. Yes. Like, okay, we've got some new products, right? Okay, that means we sort of probably need to organize an event that's not really related to the products, but is so that we can then showcase this cool stuff. Mm. And then alongside that, it seamlessly fits in yep. with this thing we want to do. Yeah. And, st- and and it's you, you can't unpick it. So you know, yes, we've got an, we've got a shop downstairs. So we've got a bricks and mortar facility selling clothing. Quite um, cool looking stuff, by the way. Thank you very much. It's getting to get better. It's again, it's learning, and the girls have been absolutely fantastic. But now they've got the really difficult one to come because as we've grown, obviously guidelines have come into play now. So we're trying to make these guidelines work for them, but also make them rigid enough to not cause. Too much weirdness. But you've, we've got this situation where we've got a shop downstairs in a building where thousands of people every month turn up to. But we've also got social media, which is considerably bigger. We're operating like 10% online sales. Like 90% of it's downstairs. Yeah. Makes no sense. It's completely kind of upside down to what it should be. But then... <sighs> but are people seeing it online and then going, ah, oh, shit, I've totally forgot about caffeine machine. Must go and have a coffee. And while I'm there, I'll buy a t-shirt. And I think that's it. And I think that's a huge part of the whole equation that is really difficult to quantify because you do all of this stuff online and you create this whole thing that's there. And you can't necessarily be like, okay, buy this product right now. Yeah. But in the back of people's heads, they're like, I like Caffeine Machine. Mm. They've been doing cool stuff for like a year. I used to do cool stuff. I'm going to go with my mates. And then when they're there, they're like, I like you guys. And this is a cool product. Yeah. I'm going to buy it. scoop up a... But it's, if they just turned up on a random day, they would not have bought the product. No, no. But communicating that to a bunch of the team so that they grasp it and they understand it's hard because I don't grasp it or understand it's, it. And it's very difficult to put metrics and data on. It is. And it be is. like, this is why this is, this is happening. Unless you become one of those really annoying... Excuse me, why did you buy this? Data collection. Like, wow, that can be uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's it's invasive. It's really invasive. I noticed it recently. I bought a ticket for a, an event locally, and the data that they asked for at purchase was bonkers. Yeah. Like, absolutely bonkers. They wanted so much information. They wanted to know if I was a man, a woman, or a midway house. <laughs> Like, wow, that's, that's okay. okay. I don't understand what different how I feel about this. Yes. Ethnic background. Oh yeah. What? Um, car number plate, mobile telephone number, where I lived, what was the last magazine I bought. And it's, it's, you know, the level of data that they were asking for scared me a little bit to it's the point where I almost didn't want to go. Then your bank asked for as a security check. It is. It is. But I'd still like to somehow get it. Oh, super valuable. Um, but it's doing it in a manner that's not, you know, could, could you do it in the same way that Brewdog have done it? You know, we spent a lot of time looking at Brewdog and how they've raised equity and how they've, yeah. and you know, how they've done that kind of 
not really crowdsourced funding, but it kind of is, isn't it? Um, from that what prime, have they done? Uh, they, 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 they've released share equity in the business oh, that you yeah. can buy at the bar. At the bar? Yeah, so you can buy a pint and a share. Oh. Very clever. They've raised a lot of money through that. There's something about, I don't know how, really how I feel about it, but selling, for example, shares for super low amounts of money and then a ton of people buy them. Mm. I mean, it's very smart mm. because no one owns money of yeah, these But what shares. are you going to get, Sam? You're going to get 10% off a pint for your share. Are you still interested in buying a share? Yeah. Um, it's like, wow, okay. So you're, you're, you're getting, again, it's that kind of, I must, I must be part of this kind of yeah. brigade. But, you know, we're, we're looking at it. It's intriguing. BrewDog's bonkers. If, if you think BrewDog sold 20% of their company for more than Aston Martin have just sold 20% of their company. Yeah. And they just make beer. Yeah. It's nuts. It's nuts. You know, and, and Good business model. It is, it is. And, you know, we, we've, again, we've looked at, we've looked at how CNM operates and we're very conscious that we'd like to grow it and we'd like to develop it. And, you know, we've got countries that we'd like to put it in. We've got cities that we'd like to put it in. We've got people we'd like to work with. How do you fund it? Yeah. You know, do, do you do, do you do an investor and then risk losing the ethos and the soul? Yeah. Do you do multiple investors and risk losing the ethos and the soul? There's, you know, there's a SWAT attached to all of it. Or do you do community? And communities, it's got to be very cheap money. It's, it's really it's, weird, but just, you, you still know, kind of control it. You do kind of, yeah, you do. And you get this, um, you know, BrewDog have done it in two different ways. It's a minefield that. Tricky. Yeah. Really, really tricky. Or do we just slow burn it and build it as it comes? You know, kind of like in and out Burger in the US. Mm. You know, they did a very different model to McDonald's. You know, McDonald's went full franchise, owned the properties, in yeah. and out, wanted to own every single one that they, they moved into. It, it's tricky because obviously we're conscious of the fact that if we snooze too long, someone's going to pop up. Yeah, because yeah, there aren't, there really aren't any places in the UK like this. No, there's Ace, but then Ace, for me, the differential between me and Ace is Ace was built on the back of motorbikes. Yeah. And it's changed to accommodate everybody. And But it's it's a very, very, very different proposition. It's totally different. You go to Ace and it, it sort of is what it is, but it's not, I don't think you get the full spectrum of society wanting to go to Ace. No, no. And it's, for, for me, it's just, it's a, just a bit of a bitch to get to. Yeah. Albeit it's really easy, but I, I'd rather... I'd rather leave London and come out an hour and a half than head an hour and a half into London. Yeah, and I think for people that live in a city, it's it quite works. nice to go, well, it's quite nice to go out of a city. Yes. Especially if you like driving. Yes. You can drive down some country lanes. We'll keep your car on cold start and never leave first gear for 40 minutes and park up. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tricky one. It is. It's a really tricky one. And it's, it's one that we thought long and hard about is where the hell do you put this thing? You know, if, if we were to go next step and choose another city, like, where do you put it? Yeah. Because now, now we've learned all of the mess around the outside of it that causes you problems daily. That's got nothing to do with your customers or your concept yeah. at all. It's everything else. Like, how do you work with the police? How do you work with fire? How do you work with the council? How do you work with the parish councils? How do you work with oh, a specific set of people that think in a specific way? You know, there's some difficult people yeah. and there always will be difficult people. How do you appease them? How do you abstain your responsibility from things that people think you're responsible for? There's way more to what's kept this place yeah. alive than just opening the door and serving coffee. You know, it could have very easily been shut down a long time ago, but the right people got involved and communicated in the right way. Actually, an old hero of ours came out of the woodwork. 
Quinton Wilson. What a legend. You know, that guy's been absolutely phenomenal for us. He's one of the many people that have operated in the mm. patchwork quilt because he has this wonderful demeanour that gets him right through to the people that make decisions yeah. from a political perspective. You know, to get right up into the, the, the head of the council and say, these guys are doing absolutely everything within the powers they can. Why don't you come down and see it? Yeah. And he draws them in and we meet with them and we talk and he plays this beautiful PR. 80% of the battle, isn't it? Wow. Like, wow. Um, you know, to have the police say to us that they have no objection with us at all. Yeah. It's huge. But we can't go and shout about it. Yeah. It's removing the us and them. Yes. You know, we, we, we're, not, we're not bad. It's Phil and the guys. Yeah. We're not bad. You know, if you, if you think statistically, I think there was more. So you have what's called... So if you ring up 999 or you ring up 101, they ask you where you are. Yeah. Um, and because of the fact that we've gone from being nothing to caffeine and machine, even if you're at Wellsbourne Airfield, people say, I'm near caffeine and machine. Okay. Or I've yeah. broken down here. I'm near caffeine yeah, yeah. and machine. There's, there's sheep on the road. Where are you? Just down the road from caffeine and machine. So when they pull the statistics through, there's a set of things that have happened with our name at the yeah. lead of. Over the period of a year, we had a number. There's a nightclub in a local town that has what we had in a year weekly. Okay. Yeah, they've been there a decade. Yeah. And they're still doing their stuff and they're still getting on with it. Because again, they're being present and correct and they're doing their job yeah. the right way. But there's still so many complaints. You know, we can have one car leave here. Actually, we can have one car drive past us. Yeah. Nothing to do with us. We get the complaints. Yeah. Loud cars out on the street from cafe and machine speeding. It's like, well, it's not us. But how can you tell? Because you live a mile yeah. down a farm track. How do you know they're speeding? You know, the, some of the loudest cars, bar none, are production vehicles. Yeah. And also, 100%, the cars that speed are not the really loud ones. No. Loud ones speed, people speed, whatever. But mm. I've been pulled or like flagged down by people in very loud cars. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, did you not just see the Range Rover? drive in front of me mm. going 30 miles an hour faster. Mm. And you just, you waved at me because you're like, you're, you're, you're going fast. Like it's not, it's, it's not noise. Noise is, not, is speed. not speed. No, it's not. And we, we've been, we've been doing it. I got lambasted. I got torn apart because I had an agenda and Dan and I had a, an agenda and we got involved in it and we wanted to be part of it. So we went and joined our community Speedwatch team. Um, bonkers. I don't know why I did it, but it was wonderful. It was a good fun. Um, we got trained by the police. We we go out in our high vis and we have a speed gun and we go and stand in the local village yeah. and we we speed track. Okay, it's intriguing, yeah. right? It's it fun, interesting. We we have we the power is that if we catch you, there's a letter that gets distributed from the police department please saying you can please don't speak. We stand out on the street and we we monitor it and everybody speaks. Every, everyone, everybody speaks. And the the problem we're finding is that the majority of those that do are the ones that complain. They're also the people that live in the village that they're complaining against us for. And the educational level of just because it's your village doesn't mean that you can speed because that kind of sentiment does come yeah. out occasionally. Um, My road. It's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, get, getting that point across. We got torn apart because the community thought that we were trying to catch them. Yeah. Wholeheartedly incorrect. We were trying to prove that they weren't the problem. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to data collect. And I think Dan mentioned to you about the traffic surveys that we'd done. You know, we paid the money and we did the effort to get out there and find the data. Yeah. And that's Dan's business analyst brain, right? He's like, we can't have this conversation. Until we've got the data. Until we've got the data. So let's do a traffic survey and let's monitor that road for a month, day in, day out, hour by hour, and find out what's going on. 
And then we read the stats and go, huh, that's yeah. nuts. This, that road's never busier than when we're not open. Yeah. Like even on our single busiest day, it was busier at 7.30 in the morning. Yeah. It's, it's so tricky, all of this stuff. And it's. But those, those, those people are leaving, right? They, they, they go, you know, they're in the car at seven and they don't come yeah. back till six. So they don't see the day. I get it. I get the problems we've caused on Saturdays and Sundays, but you know, at the same time, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. It's not a problem, but I think it's, you know, for 45 plus years, this place has been desolate and quiet and a scratch on the environment. Like people who live in Stratford didn't know it existed. But on the flip side, people that live, move to near Silverstone complain about the noise. So you're not like, it's like every, every year of Dubai 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've moved into Motor City. I have a complaint. Yeah. My front garden looks at the Mulsan straight. I have a complaint. It's like, yeah. what are you on about? Yeah, it should just go straight into the shredder. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, you were aware. Done. Yeah. If you're not aware, you're an idiot. Done. But due process within the, the political framework is everything has to be looked at. Everything has to be discussed. Yeah. Everyone has a voice that's, that's worthy. So much time, so much money. Yeah. You know, hours in parish councils. <laughs> Never thought that would be part of Cafe and a Machine. Never thought. But that's crazy. It's a challenge and we've done what's it. The, what's the sort of biggest challenge that you've had that wasn't expected? Is that, is that it? Culturally, people. Hmm. Big time. Um, I think I'd spent too long outside the UK. Right. I spent way too long outside the UK. So I, I still probably still haven't culturally rebooted. So I'm trying to get my head around the way that people work. What's the biggest difference between being here and say UAE or I think the U I think like the average working week in the UAE was like 60 hours 70 hours people worked hard played hard chased their dreams didn't talk about it they just got on with it I think there's a it's a really difficult one to talk about isn't it without coming across as a really weird human being it's there's a I think there's a psychology of it's that kind of whole um you know well done for taking part here's an award yeah so there's a there's a level of entitlement that sits quite heavily across England, I think. So yeah, pe- people have been really difficult, and I think the the Middle Eastern framework was different because there were so many different nationalities, so many different types of people, so many different cultures, all smashed together, all working in harmony to get stuff done. And it took a certain type of person to get on an airplane and travel four thousand exactly. miles and live I was in the about desert. To say this, like. You, you've you've picked a very select group of people, yeah, that are willing to travel, yeah, to do what they want to do in a place that's slightly inhospitable, yeah, completely. A bit like judging, uh, you know, all Australians in that you meet that have just come over for a year. Like yeah. they're, they're a certain type of person that's going to get on a plane yeah. and fly for twenty four hours to come and spend time in the UK. Yeah, so they are very different to the people you might meet in exactly. Australia. Yeah. So f- f- it's it's working closer with people, it's listening to people, it's nudging people in the right direction, it's getting your point across. Um, people are very quick to judge in England. People are very quick to form an, an ill-informed opinion. Yeah, I'm totally like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a kind of Simpsons mentality. You know, he said that and then pitchforks. Yeah. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not the case. Let's educate you. Um, that happens a lot. Yeah, that's that's probably personally the biggest challenge of CNM in the last twelve months. Keeping a hold of it, mm. you know, busier and more chopsy than we would ever have considered. 
you know, it sounded very easy when we were drinking vodka slushies in the garden in Dubai, coming up with a business plan. Yeah. It sounded very utopian and very easy. You know, thousands of people coming through the door demanding a service isn't. No, it's not. So yeah, the, the, keeping on top of it, it, it wasn't easy. Still it's, isn't easy. It's good. It's, it's great. It's not a bad problem. Yeah, there's two. There's two problems. Yeah, in no, this that, world, is, isn't that is totally a problem. Then. Yeah, but it's not. It's not the one that I that we don't want. No. You know, imagine if we had a quiet car park and no one knew we existed. Yeah. And you've got a real problem. Yeah, and you've got cash burn. You know, yes, we've got revenue coming in and we've got cash going out because of the sunken costs because we've taken on a building that's mm. X hundred years old and it's got 12 acres of land and it's expensive to run and we have to we have to maintain it and build it every single step of the way. That's fine. Having huge burn on costs and people going, what is Caffeine Machine? Yeah. I haven't even heard of it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very warming to walk out at 10 past nine in the morning and have a full car park. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's it's not even just like it's a full car park of Volvos or something. It's like... No, you get a broad spread, don't you? I mean, I rolled in this morning and there's a GT2 sat waiting. And, yeah. you know, it's, it, it is getting there now where super interesting people turn up within their day-to-day life because they, they've got the platform there now. So wealthy entrepreneurial individual who lives in Stratford and commutes to Banbury, on a Wednesday, he'll take his classic car because he'll stop here. Yeah. That Whereas historically he would have it, never yeah. have done that. Yeah. So we do get this involvement patchwork where all of a sudden something rad's appearing mm. and it never stops. Yeah. It's awesome. It's wicked. Even super late at night, like a 59 caddy drove in yesterday at like 10 o'clock at night. Just have a beer. Like, what are you doing in that? <laughs> it's, oh, I needed an excuse. I needed to get out and I didn't want to watch, you know. That's the best. I think that's night. probably the best thing about places like this is it gives you the excuse to go and use your slightly stupid car that you love, but you can't just take it to Tesco. It's like you can, but you do that once and yeah. then you're like, I won't do it again. And there is, it is a bit cheersy, right? Yeah. We said this jokingly years ago, it's cheers, but everybody knows your car. Um, it's like everybody knows you, but they have no idea who Sam is. Yeah. They know the Sam that drives the blue car. When that caddy rolled in, obviously everyone that was at the bar at the time saw the caddy roll in. Yeah. So when he walked in, everyone went, your caddy's badass. <laughs> and all of a sudden he's got people to talk to. Yeah. And he turned up on his own. So cool. So cool. Right. I normally sort of wrap these up yeah, let's with do five questions. Okay, let's get to these. What we got? Do, 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 do. do you have a most memorable driving trip or journey? Yeah, big time. I um I had the I had the most incredible experience a bunch of years ago when McLaren were launching McLaren 12C and my business partner at the time and I came up with this idea that we would drive all the roads that were built by his grandfather. So we spent 5 days driving around Saudi Arabia in 12Cs. Nice. Um, and it's those weird experiences where you get to go to places that have been completely misrepresented by Western society and you're blown away and, you know, driving across the middle. So we went right across the empty, the, the middle province of Saudi, yeah. flat out in 12 seas at like 211 <laughs> miles an hour. You know, that, that, that period of my life was nuts. Yeah. That's the one road trip that really stands out. It oh, was sounds, just sounds bonkers. Yeah. Riyadh all the way up Bereda over to Yambu, down to Jeddah. We did what I would coin as the Christian highway, but it's not, is it? It's the Alhada Road. Mm. Nuts. Nuts. Unrepeatable. Oh, I mean, sounds, the, like, sounds like a great trip. Yeah, it was. It was phenomenal. We started with five McLarens and we finished with three that weren't in the first five. It was a, nice. it was a, it was a reliability shakedown <laughs> test, to say the least. Yeah. No, good times. Right, next question. Five car garage, unlimited value. It's got to fit into your lifestyle. Classic like. three-door Range Rover, but done kind of singer style. 
So I want a carbon bodied, carbon skinned, classic three door Range Rover with an SVR drivetrain daily. Metallic brown 250 GT Lusso, F1 GTR, 32 Ford Hot Rod, or probably a 993 GT2 Evo. You've thought about that one. I had a three car garage. My three car garage was the Range Rover, the F1, and the 250 GT Lusso. Yeah. But then, yeah, I'd have to have a 32 Ford Hot Rod in there just because. Yeah, like a banging, oh, something something historically relevant race car. Yes. Just something cool that I could roll out when I wanted to, but also sit in my lounge and stroke at night. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Awesome. Good, good selection of cars. Intriguing choice, yeah. Yeah, that was good. If you can only drive one car for the rest of your life and you're allowed like a 500 pound banger, so whatever, put kids in or something. Uh, my 964 RS. I just absolutely love everything about it. It's fast enough in every manner. In fact, it's too fast sometimes. Mm. It does everything I need it to. The only downside is it hasn't got four seats. Yeah. Um, but that's not my problem, is it? If it's just my car to drive. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. yeah, I think that car's absolutely magic. It's tiny. I can take it anywhere I want. It's skinny. It's fast. It's brutal on a racetrack. It sounds fantastic. It's reliable. It's pretty. It's iconic. Yeah, 964 RS. Awesome. I, I hear good things. Not Chevron one. Wait, well, you, you've got you've got ninety percent of it in your in your orange car. Yeah. I mean, it's it's everything that you feel through your hands and your bum, and the noise in a um, small package that you can put those luggage in. Do the stuff. Yeah, as long as you can go skipping down back streets of like Florence in a fast car, you've got a good fast car. Yeah. You yeah. Know, if you if you get caught in Florence in the blue car, you're like, oh my god, what am I doing? Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. It just comes back to Porsches, doesn't it? Sadly, every time it's because they're bloody good. They're just bloody good. And they work. <laughs> What's the most undervalued car at the moment you can think of? Ooh, undervalued as in a you car that's... You think it should be worth more or it's cracking value? Oh, bloody hell, that's a really tricky one, isn't it? I think there's a lot of cars that are overvalued. Um, <laughs> what do you think is massively overvalued? 911s. Yes. Yeah. There's you, a lot of them. Well, uh, yeah, let me get, let me get that right. Uh, 911s that probably carry the wrong badge. You know, there's certain 911s that obviously are worth the money because they're limited volume and they're homologation cars or yeah. they're special and they deserve it. But then the trickle down factors screwed it right down the bottom, hasn't it? Yeah. Undervalued. 456 GT. Right. Like, why is that a 40 grand car? You look a bit weird. Yeah, but it's a manual V12 Ferrari with four seats. Yeah, that's true. It's banging. They do look a bit weird. I completely agree, but I'd drive one. Yeah, there's a certain point in time where you go, all of the parts in this are awesome. Like, how is this not awesome? Yeah. I think, I think, I think it's the other way around. I think there's too many cars that are too expensive. Um, yes. I think they've gone, it's become a really weird thing where these values have just gone absolutely bonkers for no apparent reason. They've just, they've literally just added noughts and multiples to prices previously and gone. Yeah. Okay. It's a limited edition. We've taken the roof off yeah. and it's now a million, but it's got the same engine as not even our top car. Yeah. Well, guys. Yeah. I mean, F- F1, F1's an interesting one, isn't it? F1 has gone absolutely bonkers in terms of its alleged values. Yeah. But then it's driven and it's perpetuated by the people that are capable of affording it, right? It's a chase between, you know, the, the very limited number of people that can actually get them. Yeah. I get that. It's economics. I think generally you get a lot, like cars are bonkers good. I don't think people realise the amount cars of- Cars are very good for not a lot of money. Yeah, I know. I'm looking at my phone, right? Yeah. Um, th- the amount of stuff that goes on in a car, cars are cheap. Yeah, yeah. So you can have a new iPhone. It's like thirteen hundred quid or something. You can buy a car for thirteen hundred quid. Yeah, like a lot of cars for thirteen hundred yeah. quid. You can buy a really nice car for 
30 iPhones. And did I read the other day that there's the latest Ferrari, I forget what it's called, SP, SF, 90, SF whatever it is. It's What's got a pointless m- car? But it's got more electronics in it than an A380. Doesn't surprise me. Wow. But that's mental. Nuts. It's it nuts. still can't fly, can it? No. <laughs> <laughs> but the amount of work that goes into these things, I think they're actually quite... Crazy hybrid stuff. Is, cheap. Is, is interesting. Yeah, we've, 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 we've had the pleasure of a couple that have come through here and some... The, the best one that I've driven is the Kona, the, the Hyundai Kona. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was clever. I thought the way that the paddle operator system on the gearbox was your, your slowing down mechanism because it was doing your recharge generation. Yeah. And we had the Jaguar I-Pace. I thought it was phenomenal. I was a bit let down by the range. Yeah. In real world, I wasn't getting much over 210. Which um, is not far. Mm. And, and actually, when you then look at how much it costs to fill up, mm. it doesn't actually, not yeah. actually that cheap. Tesla's bonkers. You know, I think the fights against Tesla are a bit peculiar. But again... I think it's just a, it's a, it's a good product. Of course it's a good product. It's selling in its droves. People aren't buying it just because it's a bloody Tesla. They're buying it because it's serving a purpose. Yeah. Um, and it's a good product. No one spends whatever, hundred grand, 50 grand. No one spends any amount of money. Unless they, think, they don't want. Unless they think the perceived value is worth, yeah. worth it. Yeah. Um, and that goes right from your coffee at whatever price it is up to your five million pound car, 10 million pound, hundred million pound car. Yeah. This, I think you'll probably, you'll probably find this. I quite often come across the perceived notion that people with tons and tons of money have no, they don't really care. They've got a money. far, far higher sensitivity to value than anyone else. I yeah. think personally. Well, that's, that's how you end up with lots of money. Yes. Because you think about it. Um, but anyone that throws stuff away. So, so, yeah. Ah, there are sometimes people that, yes, that, that breach that rule a little bit, but. In in the majority, yeah, I think there's a there's a shrewd decision making process that's driven by value. Yeah, and I think when you, I think manufacturers have fallen into this thing where they go, okay, we you know Bugatti sold X number of cars, or we sold this number of this car, we can just make up cars and put crazy price tags on it, and people will buy them. And Are you saying don't. capitalism's the problem? <laughs> I, I, if people buy the stuff, it's, you know, fine, whatever. But I think there's a belief that just because you'll make it, people will buy it. Like the car companies going down the angle of, oh, we can get more performance and fit all these through all these jump all these through all these hoops, mm. and we'll put a four cylinder in it, and because it's quicker and whatever, people will buy it. And as Porsche found out with the seven eighteen, not no, interested. People don't care. No, they don't. They don't. And and I don't, I don't know whether that's a that's what's the word. Endemic, systemic. I think that's a problem that's within within the motor industry. Having worked behind the yeah. scenes in the motor industry, there's two. There's not enough people that know their shit. And, the, and as we were saying, earlier, the marketing the, the and feedback loop is is broken it, massively. No, no one's getting the feedback because of the mix between church and state when it comes to journalism. Hundred percent. They're just yeah. reconstituting the voice of the brand, so you live in this horrible echo chamber. And some. Some brands are open to it, but most brands, the impression I get is don't ever say anything bad about my, my product. Otherwise it's we perfect. won't let you have a car ever and again. We'll just make your life a bit annoying if you do. Yeah. Like, well, me saying your car's bad, it's just me saying your car's bad. Yeah. If your car's actually good, it, it's good, people will buy it. But if you think it's good and I say it's bad and no one buys it, I think one of us is correct. correct. Yeah. But it's, it's, again, it's being able to listen to those clinics, but you never hear of these clinics. You never hear of these debates and these conversations. And that's what we're kind of trying to, to loop it back to CNM. Mm -hmm. We've got this really weird 
thing where we have a litmus test. Yeah. You know, we, you, you, we, as a journalistic platform, say, if we were to consider ourselves mildly that, we can put a picture up online of a car and then we can do some Instagram stories and we can show some bits of it moving. And then we can say it's in the front room. Come and see it. Come and sit in it. Come and open it. There isn't another journalistic platform that can do that yeah. other than a, a big motor show. The brands should come and listen. It's very interesting to hear, like on a JDM night, what people have got to say about modern JDM cars. What yes. is the general consensus on modern JDM? What is a modern JDM? Uh, Toyota 86, okay. 370Z, R35, yeah. new gen Supra. That new... GR, was it Yaris? Hmm. That shit. GR, man, mental. Uh, Ollie Webb, who I was talking to yesterday, he's driven it. And he's saying the production car has the twizzle dial mm-hmm. to dial mm-hmm. the diff forwards and back. I'm like, yeah, this is amazing. If we were lucky, it'll come. We had, we had a chat. I think the Gazoo Racing guys are coming today, actually, aren't they? The Toyota guys are coming today. Yeah. But it's, um, yeah, we had a chat about it the other day. That's the sort of stuff that in 10 years, 15, 20 years time, we'll look back and go, it's like a Clio V6. It's like yeah. Jaguar's Project 8 now, right? Yeah. Jaguar's Project 8, I think, missed the boat. In 15 years time, people will look back at it and go, that thing was bonkers. It was. But right now? I think, they, mm. I don't know. I think me, for me, looking at Jaguar cars, I always like the slightly, I like the wide arch, slightly stupid cars. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like Jaguar make enough of their, like an XE with the stupid engine and some wide arches, yeah. like an M3 rival, yeah. but for the masses. Like it's Project cost, A though, is your 180 grand car, blah, 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 blah. It's cost though. And you look at the raw numbers. And again, you wouldn't have seen this unless, you know, when I was inside, it was like, wow. So if you do 60, 70, 80,000 cars a year as Jaguar, mm. and then look at Mercedes doing 1.3 million, okay, yeah. you can see the power that they've got and the ability to drop a, you know, wide body C63S coupe. Whereas, you know, I was, you're stuck looking at black wheels and lowering kits and stickers. It's, then, it becomes a different thing. But what they produce as product is fantastic. It drives amazingly. But it's, I, I'm probably like you. I can never understand why you have a product walkthrough. I never grasped why you would do 16-inch wheels and make it look shit and then force you into the 50 grand car. It's like, why don't I, why can't I have a, why can't yeah. I have a 316 with M wheels? Yeah. BMW will let me do it. But you won't. Yeah, and what it just, you just turn around and go, well, I'm just not buying that car. No, but you want that visual. You know, my parents had one years ago. They had a 518, a B-plate 518 BMW, yeah. but it looked like an M5. Yeah. I was, I was talking about this with my S4. If they sold an RS styling pack yep. that was the RS look, I would 100% I think I'd be paranoid that everyone would... To do it. Would buy that and not the RS4 though, right? Yeah, but just make the RS4 a bit more expensive and then make the wide body kit five grand or mm. whatever. And take, the, take the revenue stream. And just yeah. take the revenue because yep. now the performance part of it, actually, for most people that are driving those cars day to day, it's irrelevant. My car's still like sub five seconds in order to 60 is plenty yep. fast enough. You're not the only person. I, I mean, we looked at that when we were in the Middle East and, and we were doing product reviews as Jaguar in the Middle East and we found that Q8 was this really weird market, a heavy petro market, right? Mm. You know, there's more more oil in Q8 than most countries because of the yeah. topology of the Gulf. They all drove inline fours or V6s. That's weird. So the, the biggest sellers were like three litre V6 portfolios with every item of spec thrown on yeah. it because they didn't care about performance because they had nowhere to go. 
Yeah. They literally had nowhere to go. And so fuels we, doesn't matter. But they, they, didn't, they didn't care for it. The V6 was smooth. Yeah. It was nice. It gave them a tax break. It gave them a low, a lower price point, but they wanted all the glorious stuff. Yeah. Like the massage seats and the, and the TV, the but they didn't care about the engine at all. It's so damn important for people like ourselves. I, I have no problem with a low power train. Like, no problem. The car's got to look cool. If yeah. it doesn't look cool, this yeah. is my problem with a lot of, New cars like M5, whatever, like they're cool things, but they're kind of like big and they don't look anywhere near as badass as the older ones. I had to stand and stare at an M5 on the driveway a few days ago. To it's like that's an M. That's an. Yeah. Is that an M5? You know, it's it's gone very like look at an M3. It's gone very vanilla pod. That's an M car. Yeah, M5. Mm. It's gone very vanilla pod, but bonkers fast still. Yeah, but I, I mean, I drove. A I bit drove. Safe. Yeah, I drove the first gen of the new shape. Yeah. F- 10, I forget the code, in the Middle East, yeah. And it was the first car where I've consciously said to myself, I need to slow down because this feels like it's carrying loads of mass. And it felt big and really heavy and fast, which is kind of a scary proposition, isn't it, when you've got two tons that's... Yeah, well, what's the point? It just, it felt, all of a sudden it felt wrong. I get it in an RS6. I get it in in Germany. Yes. (laughs) It's strange I get it in an RS6. I don't know why I get it in an RS6 and not in an M5. I think it's probably because it egged me on more. Yeah. Whereas an RS6 is like this, it's like a capability and you choose to deploy it. You know, it looks like it's all flexed up, isn't it? And yeah. angry and blistered and sounds incredible, but. It's part of the whole experience of getting in the car, whereas. But it feels like, it feels like a bomber, whereas the M5 felt like it was trying to do something else. It was weird in my head, but then that's the. We talked about this, didn't we? I like it. You like it. He likes it. She doesn't like it. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't buy an M5. I'd never see myself dead in an M5. But lots of people, lots lots of people, people do. Lots of people do, and they and think they're, they're great and absolutely magnificent. Whereas I get in an RS6 and I don't, you know, people say they're boring and they understeer. So like, yeah, it's just a incredibly capable daily driver. I don't want an... It's so weird that how you can go through a range and you go, wouldn't buy, wouldn't buy, wouldn't buy, couldn't get enough of. Like RS5, I'm never, ever ever getting an RS5, RS6 all day of the week. Mm. Strange, isn't it? It's just odd. Yeah. But and is it the psychology of the people that you associate driving them? I don't know. I'd struggle, you know, I, I wanted a, I wanted to look at um, an Audi product and there's a bit of a stigma attached to them. It's like, I can't let the stigma yeah. factor my brain because that beast, that B5 RS4 is just incredible. You know, I went looking at yeah. one and it was phenomenal green one and manual, lovely, super low mileage. But all the influence around of like, don't buy an Audi, don't buy an Audi, don't buy an Audi, don't be one of them. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm buying it because that's an iconic I'm piece of kit. I'm buying that car. Yes. I'm not buying the whole brand. I'm not buying anything other than that car. It does everything I ask of it. It looks great. It's comfy. It feels nice. I love the way that it, all the touch points are super. Yeah. And I can stand back at it as I walk away and look at it. My problem with the 6 is it's too big now for me. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. We thought that Galaxy was big. Parking yeah. RS6 next to it is probably I the try same. try and go through a width restriction. You're just not going to do it. No. And then you go back to 964 RS. Yeah. And you're getting something small. Mm. And even on the inside, there's more space. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, safety-wise, it does make go sense. Go and try and get in that cappuccino that's in the tent, by the way. <laughs> when you shut the door, it hits your shoulders. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> right. There's one last question. Go on then, hit me. What is the most interesting car to you at the moment? What do you Google? What are you looking at? What are you going? Hmm. That's um, ooh, tough question. I, uh, I've got a dirty perversion for a GT4 Lusso. Hmm. Yes. Um, I like finding people that have, have had you driven one. I've driven the prior. FF. They, have you, have you been in one? 
not the latest one. The, I drove one the other day. I went and did a back-to-back test of an F12 and a GT4 Tilo soap because I figured I feel like I can call up and make this request and it, it may get up, you know, answered. And and I was sort of interested in the two. And the GTC4 feels so much more refined than an FF. It feels like an RS6, like kind of fudunk mm. quality. But it, but it goes back to that desire of... But it's got the V12 in it. Yee. But it was kind of weird because I drove it and of the two, just at that point in time, I was like, oh, I totally have to have an F12 because it's more mad. And okay, if the TGC4 was 30 grand, I would totally have one as my daily. Like, So it just becomes a price issue at that point. But as like a nice thing, it's very nice. The other one that's causing me lots of problems, I think I've missed the boat, is R34 GTR. Mm. I think I missed the boat there. How much are they now? 70. 80 for a good one. And just iconic. Yeah, it was another one of those things. It's picking, it's picking, you can, if you look at it from an investor, owner, driver experience perspective, it makes it even harder, doesn't it? But if you, I think that they're, they're the next run of cars that are going to become what you and I have experienced with GT3s and RSs yeah. and special Ferraris. I think that, that crowd. PlayStation cars and stuff like yeah, it's it's what they it's you know as a forty year old when I was seventeen I had a nine five nine and an F forty and a Testarossa yeah. on my wall. They were the cars that I wanted when I was growing up. Until I drove a Countach and went. Um, <laughs> but the what what's what's the twenty year old now got on his wall? I have no idea. Or what's the thirty year old? What did the thirty year old have? So you know, there's, there's for me, it's all video game cars. It is. So it's the NSXs, it's the roofs, it's uh, it's R thirty fours. Race cars wise, it's like Viper GT two, all these things. Oh, that's a track car. Now that's a discussion we were ah. having this the other day. We got lost on race cars direct at the bar because we all went to do a track day. All the the, the, yeah. the primary team went to do a track day, and we all came back and went, "What would you buy?" And it ended up being this big fucking argument about the fact that the Viper is like the car yeah, or a and, C7 vet. And the GT2 Viper is apparently unbelievable. Yeah, they are. They're phenomenal. They're absolutely phenomenal. Like it's nothing like the road cars. Nope. No, no, no. I mean, they, 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 um, they cause massive problems to everybody, didn't they? When Orica came along and started destroying 993s that had, they, they, 993s had the dominance of GT racing back then. And then those big Vipers came in and just wiped the floor with everybody. Yeah. But they do feel shit. You know, I went to look yeah. at buying one when I was in the Middle East and it was, it was terrible, but I still walked away wanting it. Yeah. It's like, I so badly want a Viper ACR. <laughs> I just think they're the coolest thing. And then I watched them at Pike's Peak running, standing half mile. Yeah. And these things are doing 240 miles an hour and they sound nuts and they look incredible. Yeah. I'd have a Viper. They are pretty badass. I do some work with the endurance racing legends who are GT2, GT1, mm. prototype cars of 90s and 2000s at all these events. And it's just, it's just porn. Yeah, love porn, it. Like love it. DBR9s, whatever, F1 GTRs, all this stuff. You're like, okay. But they looked right, didn't they? They sounded right. They sounded right. They look badass. They're still, for me, they're still relevant. They're not old. Those cars, like 997 RSR is one of the ones that's like. You can street legal that bad boy. But why? I reckon you could very, very easily put a set up. Yeah, but how cool would it be to wake up? 996, and- you got 100% yeah. no problem. And 997 Cup car. car. 997 Cup, yeah. Have you seen what Phil Morrison from Driftworks is doing with his Murcielago? No. Need to have a look. I'll show you that in a minute. But he's taken a Murcielago, his rear wheel drive converted it, and now he's right a GT1 converting it. 
But he's put it on individual throttle bodies. He's cool put, stuff. Oh, mate, the car's going to be bonkers. Like, Phil's got the touch. He does. He, he, all of his, like, I'm not really into that scene, but I do check out their videos yeah. and stuff every now and then. And when he's like, oh, I've done a car, and I've done the wheels and the stance or whatever, and you look at you, yes, mm-hmm. very good. Yeah, Phil done good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they always look good, sound good, always bright and colourful. And he spends hours looking at, like, tyre width and sit profile and gaps. And I'm like, oh, my God, but it looks so good. And, the end, yeah, the end result, you look at it and go, yeah. Yeah, his mercy, I think his mercy is going to make people stop in their tracks when it's done because it's going to be a full street legal GT1 car. Yeah. Sick. Yeah, always right. got balls. Well. Thank you very much, Sam. Thanks very much for coming on. Mm, my um, pleasure. Uh, my first podcast. Is it? Mm. Oh. Podcast virginity taken. As a guess, how long do you think that was? How long? Yeah. Hour and 10? Hour and 58. Nice. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Let's see if we can keep 80% retention up. Yeah, well, hopefully they'll stay. If they've stayed till now, they're, they're well over that. Right, well, thanks everyone for watching and yeah, thanks, Phil. A pleasure. Cheers, Cheers. Thank you. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.